the first question I have for you is, who are you, sir? Can you introduce yourself to the people? Well, to your audience, my name is Billy TKO. If you guys do not know, I am a YouTuber. I talk about professional wrestling over on my YouTube channel. You guys can go find me. Again, that's Billy TKO. I've been talking about wrestling for only a couple months now, but previously I was known as Billy Davis, the music artist, which many people who are probably watching this, who I've sent this to, are people who know me for music, and I've changed since then. Um, but yes, yes, Billy TKO, man. Billy TKO. That's who I am. Now, how does that kind of change occur? I mean, I imagine that's not a gradual... I mean, I imagine that's not a sudden shift. It's a gradual shift. So All right. I imagine there's different events that happen over time that kind of led to something like that, right? Yes. Yeah, so, how do you leave the music? It's I can't imagine doing it myself. No. So it's kind of funny, right? So... To say that I left music would kind of be crazy to even think about. I don't know if I ever left music. I think it was more or less of me taking a break and then realizing that, hey, if I want to later on go back to a music career, I think I can. But to the question, it a change like that happens with a lot of thought. So it came down to what what do I want out of my life? What are my whys, Right. And is music going to take me to my why? And at the end of the day, we can all play pretend and we could say, oh, well, I really want to be, um, I, I want to do this, right? And I believe it can take me to my goals, but, it, you know, oh, it doesn't need to happen instantly. Let's be real here. We live in a world that is based off instant gratification. Would you agree? I would agree, sir. Uh, the world that we live in is built off instant gratification. And yes, I'm one of those people who would love instant gratification. Now, do I get it? No. But I knew what was going to work better in my favor. And at this moment in time, YouTube works in my favor. So talking about music, I was hitting a very broad audience, right? I think you know that music is very broad, right? Oh, yeah. And, and you never know. I think that's one of the things that's like so hard to explain to people when they first start making music is how broad it really is. Like you can't really target a specific thing for too long. No. Especially if you're a creative person. Yeah, that's the thing, right? So when I when I had done the music thing, I was I was hitting this very big broad audience. But this broad audience weren't all fans of me, if that makes any sense. So what do you do? Well in that case you have to buckle down and you have to find a niche, right? Having a niche audience is going to be the most important. So when I started doing music, it, it was for the love. It was for the passion. And I think you've heard, you've had a lot of music artists on your channel. So I think you would know for a hundred percent how that is so important and why it is so important to, you know, do it for the love and you do it for the passion. But for, for how long can you, until you have to buckle down and be like, okay, well I need to tr maybe try something new and not go away from it, but if I want to make this goal, right? And I think if you talk to a lot of those music artists, they'll tell you, you can't just be a music artist anymore. You can't, right? No, no. Content. No, no. Dude, I, no, because it's it, content is king. Like it, the yep. whole thing is like, it, it, even if, so what I've been doing for the last month or so is just taking a break from making content because I realized that we're in this day and age where like I know what I've been going through. Like I have made so, so much content and, and what for? What for? Like sometimes I think about it like, and I'm sure that someday it'll build up to something, but it's yeah. just 
what it is. It's just what it is. And again, that's it, it, it's something that if someone's just starting out making some content and all this, just starting out being creative, mm-hmm. it's so hard to explain to them. Like, no, that's it's never ending. You're going to be no. doing this forever. Yeah, <laughs> it never ends. It's a constant cycle of how how can I wake up and be better the next day. Right. Yeah, and in a way, that's fun. It is. It is. As long as you have a creative mind, I think it's one of the most fun things that you could possibly do, right? This, if if your mind is constantly flowing with ideas, get into this. It it's for you. If it's not, stay away from it. You know what I mean? Um, but at the end of the day, I feel like where I was with music, it, it just became like this constant battle of, of it. It just got hard at some point, and I felt like the love and the passion wasn't there. But the reason why I started doing music was for love. And passion, right? So when those things go away, it's hard to sit up and do something. It's like working at a job. You know what I mean? You're not working at a job because you love it. You're working at a job because you have to do it. And in that moment in time when I was doing music, it felt like I had to do it. And I never wanted that to be the case with music because I love and I respect the music business so much. And I, you know, I've, I've been through it all with music. I don't want to make a mockery of it. If that makes any sense, I don't, and I'm not even sitting here saying I'm some big name in the game, but I just love the idea of music. You know what I mean? And I never wanted to disrespect something that I cared about so much. So I take a step back, right? And I start covering hip hop news. So my channel, my YouTube channel, right? When I started it, it started as me posting music videos. Then it turned into me doing all my audio engineering stuff and I was doing how-to videos and stuff like that. People were learning, right? Well, then one random Sunday and I want people to really listen. I'm sorry for just sitting here rambling on. One random Sunday, I decided I was going to make a video and it wasn't going to be a how-to video. It was going to be a reaction video. So this one random Sunday, I decide I'm going to make this reaction video at the time. Have you ever heard of NF? Maybe? Oh, yeah, of course. Of okay. Course. So I wake up one day and I do this reaction video. NF had just dropped his uh, new song, Hope. And I was like, okay, I'm going to react to it. So I react to it and I want people to know that this is how fast things can happen. In a mere, I want to say 45 minutes you do YouTube, so you probably know. My video, it was reaching, it, or it was ranking one out of 10, which if anybody who doesn't know YouTube, that is very good. The videos that rank one out of 10, that means they're ranking the highest. That means they're the best. Ranking one out of 10, and then you start to see a little bit of growth. Well, then suddenly, next day, it takes off. And this video ends up reaching 30, 40, 50,000 people, Right? So then yeah. I become monetized. <laughs> da, da, da. And now YouTube becomes more than just this regular everyday thing. So now you start to take into account, well, is it YouTube that I want to do? Because now I'm starting to see this income. And I think you can agree with me. You probably know. These streaming services, they pay like dog shit. Spotify, <laughs> Spotify I, I they do. They pay like dog shit. So it's like, you're putting all this money into music and you're doing all of these things, but you're not receiving anything out of it. And as artists and and people of creative minds, they deserve to be 
you deserve to have some kind of form of of payment or whatever the case may be. You know, just some kind of gratification for the work that you've put in. Look at the work you're doing. Look at the work, you know, maybe people that you've had on this podcast. John Connor. They've put in all that work. They deserve that to come back. And sorry for rambling on. I apologize. But yes, that is kind of the story on how we made the change. Oh, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful moral to place at the end of the story because I think that that's one thing that I think bringing a bunch of different people on through a podcast or an interview series really does is it encapsulates that human spirit and that will to change and want to embrace something and go after it. And I think that that's what I love about making music is that creative energy and that infinite creativity that you can find deep within. I think that's why I love professional wrestling because I fell in love with professional wrestling at a young age, okay. Um, I, I right around. Actually, I, I shouldn't say a young age because I'm lying. It was probably for me. It, it, it's a relatively young age, but I'm talking like I don't know, 12 years old. So I had a friend who had just moved to Michigan, and he's uh, he like had the Edge DVDs and all <laughs> this good stuff. Like he yeah. had, he was really into it. Yeah. And I remember he brought over a WrestleMania DVD, and if okay. I remember correctly. It had, uh, it was the Shawn Michaels versus Edge WrestleMania. I want to say it was WrestleMania 25. I think WrestleMania 25, that would have been Triple H, Randy Orton. That would have been in 09. That was a very, I think that's what it was. That was uh, Undertaker, Shawn Michaels, in the greatest match in probably pro wrestling history. You know what? Then I'm lying. I think he brought over WrestleMania 23. 23 would have been the one in Detroit. Yeah, I think yep. that's what he brought over. Yep. Yeah. yeah. But it was just like, that was my introduction to all of it. And for me, it's like, there's something about storytelling. There's something about the magic of... Uh, one of the things about wrestling that's unique, different than anything else, is it's a sport that's interactive with the audience, and it's so dependent on the audience. Like, things change so spontaneously because of reactions that happen in the moment, and it doesn't happen anywhere else. No, it really Nowhere doesn't. Else. It really doesn't. It's a magical thing. And I think that people who don't get wrestling, it's so sad because there's something so cool going on there. Yeah. And it's so hard and to explain it to them. I So let me, here's some advice. If people ever question why you're a wrestling fan, ask them this. Why, do you, why are you a fan of Spider-Man? Why are you a fan of Batman? Why are you a fan of the Incredible Hulk? All those things aren't real, but guess what they are? They're entertaining. Right? So the next time somebody asks you, oh, why are you a fan of wrestling? Just hit them back with that. Because at the end of the day, you love Star Wars because it's entertaining, but you know it's not real. Wrestling is, by the way, real. Just it's pre-scripted. That's it. The moves that they do, the, the bumps that they take, the, it's all real. It's just predetermined things that are happening. So, so yeah. Rick Rubin said in an interview, uh, I think he said it on Joe Rogan, and I think he said it somewhere else as well, but he was talking about how, in a way, wrestling is real and the world is fake. And I think that's such a cool way to put it because, like what you just said, it's pre-scripted, but in a way, like 
a lot of life is fake and we put on things. That's why I, my rap name is Ruse. In a way, everything is a ruse. We put on a ruse. But in professional like wrestling, that. there's a reality that happens within that fakeness. And that's where the best shit happens. That's why people like CM Punk elevate above everybody else in a cultural way. Mm -hmm. Because they tap into that real element that's underneath everything else. Like Stone Cold yep. and Vince tap into people a real who, thing. Like it's, an undercurrent. It's those, it's those people that can grab and gravitate an audience and make them feel something because when yeah, you, when you yeah. watch a movie you're watching it to feel something because in a movie you have comedy you have horror you have all of these emotions that regular people feel every day so that's why you find movies and tv shows and all of those things entertaining wrestling's the same way for me I, i've talked about it on uh, a stream that i've done with my buddy ango over on youtube the reason for me, right? People ask me, uh, you you probably watch AEW, correct? Uh, I, I don't as much as I should, but okay. uh, keep, go on, go yeah. on. So if, if you don't know, AEW is the company that brought CM Punk back to wrestling after his okay. seven-year well, departure. Don't get me wrong. I keep tabs. I, just, okay. I don't know all the characters. Okay. That's what I should okay. say. Well, yeah, no. This is based on a story of CM Punk because I've seen that you brought his name up. So CM Punk, for me holds a special place in my heart. You know, I've talked about it before, so my fans, they know, they're aware. You know what I mean? But to the people that don't, CM Punk, for me, my stepfather passed away. And the last conversation that my stepfather and I had was actually about CM Punk returning. My stepfather passed away in August of 2021, which, if you don't know, was the same exact month that CM Punk returned to wrestling. So, wow. So the last conversation that I ever had with my stepfather was that of such. It was, oh, CM Punk is going to uh, return to my stepdad, who was, you know, a big Attitude Era fan, Stone Cold, The Rock, all those guys, right? Could not believe that CM Punk, that kind of name and that kind of caliber would ever come to the, the second company. Right? Because that's what AEW is to WWE in many people's minds. It's, it's well, the second company. And the thing is, too, like, if you think about it back in the day, like, it, 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 it's almost like imagining CM Punk going to TNA from WWE in Exa 2010. It, like, it doesn't happen. You can't happen. even imagine it. It doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah. It's not real. Right, exactly. <laughs> so in his mind, it was, why would CM Punk ever do that? In my mind, that's like John Cena going to AEW. Like, that's not... <laughs> it's not a <laughs> Can thing. Can you imagine? It's not a thing. It, it would have the happen. same pop. I, I bet you that would have the same it pop. Would. It would. It would. <laughs> if John Cena walked through the curtains of AEW, and, and my people know one thing that I am big for is fantasy booking. I will fantasy book through the moon. Because oh, that's that's one of the other things that I love about wrestling is fantasy, but I could do it all day. Dude, fantasy <laughs> yeah. booking is the best. So yes, the pop that John Cena would get walking through the curtain of AEW. So who would he face? Who would he face if you're fantasy MJF. booking? Who is MJF? It? Yeah, MJF. Yeah, come on, man. Of course, that's, that's, that's not <laughs> even course. a question. John Cena, MJF, two people that can gravitate emotion and make you feel something. That's my kind of pro wrestling. I want to feel something. And just those promos, those promos yeah. alone. They would be amazing. Match. They would oh, be outstanding. Man. So I, I so, want to say, by the way, real fast, what you're doing is cool. I love watching what you're doing. I think, I think, you know, I at first I was like, oh, you know, maybe he's just based off music. No, dude, I've done a lot of deep diving. You're doing a little bit more than music, and I appreciate you having me on. Oh, thank you. So when you say that, when you, when you say more than music, what are you seeing? Tell me. I don't know what I'm doing over here. I'm, I must so, be a madman. So the, this, 
So, number one, it takes a certain person to understand that content is king, like we talked about earlier, right? It takes a certain person to understand that you need to do a little bit more than music, and it seems like you've con that concept has clicked with you. I, I looked at your TikTok. I can't remember the, uh, the follower account that you, that you had. It was 100,000? Would, would that be right? Oh, I wish. Uh, it's oh, about 20,000, but the likes, likes is at like 100,000. Yeah. Okay, okay. So I knew I was up there, and I was kind of right in some direction. But yes, I've seen the likes and stuff like that. But even 20,000 people, when you really put it into perspective, it's kind of crazy. And it only tells me that you're doing something right, and something is working for you, man. Yeah, well, dude, the thing is, again, it goes back to what we were saying before. It's putting in constant, like, the thing is, you kind of just have to get used to this idea of it doesn't even matter if it's good or bad. It's just whatever you are doing that particular day, because that's the stuff that usually works the best. It's like, just creatively speaking in general, it's when you've gotten to the groove of the creativity and you're just putting out stuff, that's when you really start to put out the good stuff. Yeah. So... I mean, in my mind, if you want to make the best content, you do kind of just have to practice a little bit. And mm -hmm. then, it, 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 and I don't even love doing videos. Like, some, I, I, I know that it's best if I put my mind to it and I do my best. But, like, yeah. dude, I, editing drives me nuts. I swear oh. to God, I'll sit behind a computer and I'll be like, uh, <sighs> I wish I just had a guy I could send this to and pay. <laughs> Listen, listen, <laughs> it is a conversation that me and my buddies have all the time of how nice it would be to just, hey, man, you mind cooking up this thumbnail for me? Oh, my. Oh, your thumbnails. So, you know what? I didn't think we were going to talk about this. I didn't think I have an opportunity. Your thumbnails are definitely, uh, like, you've got the YouTube clickbaity thing down to a <laughs> T, bro. It's kind of impressive. Like, I, I imagine you spend a good 30, 20 minutes on a thumbnail because you have to go find a photo. You got to, like, get it just right. So, it looks like you crop the character out sometimes. So, it all depends, right? It depends on the day. So, some take three minutes some take 20 you know i don't think i ever spend more than 20 25 minutes on a thumbnail because i try to knock them out very quickly but when i go into a thumbnail i try to tell everybody you got to go in with a with a mindset so number one what did you talk about in the video okay well number two how are you going to get people intrigued in the idea of this could work right like how how are people going to perceive this when they see this thumbnail how's it going to look um but yeah, no, I, I think I've seen so many wrestling channels, right? Yeah, because there's a formula to that, too. I mean, mm -hmm. it's just like, it's kind of like uh, the, all the advice I've heard about uh, that it lines up with what you're saying. Like, I, most of what I've heard is on, like, Mr. Beast videos or other things similar where it's like, what you're trying to do is not only have something that catches their eye, but it has to match up with what the content actually is. Yeah. So I when mean, they see it, it has to make sense. When yeah, they click because it, it has to, there has to be some kind of involvement into it with the video on I'll, I'll talk about my most recent video that I think I posted the other day. Um, uh, WWE Raw is moving to Netflix. Very quick, easy stuff. You know what I mean? Who do you throw on there? You throw on a Raw logo. You throw on a Netflix logo. You put Seth Rollins, CM Punk, Cody Rhodes. Easy. Right? Yeah. Because those are the three main people that we're seeing on Monday Night Raw all the time. So people instantly, when they think about it, they're going to click because, oh my goodness, CM Punk, Cody Rhodes, those are people that they can connect with when looking at that photo. So it, it, those are little things that you have to think about. And also, they're people that I talk about in the video. So, like, for instance, I know with you, you did the John Connor stuff. 
John Connor, it would be the same thing. I'd put myself, I'd put John Connor there, and I'd put like a quote from John Connor on the thumbnail. See, yeah, I've always struggled with text on thumbnails. We, oh, I, we'll get we'll, off this we'll in a talk, second, yeah, folks. We'll, Believe me, we'll talk about wrestling. Yeah. No, listen, <laughs> listen. So I, just, I will tell I've, you, we will talk after this, and I'll give you some more advice on thumbnails. All right, yeah, we'll, we'll save it. Uh, this is uh, a blossoming of a beautiful friendship. That's what we'll call this. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So let's get on the topic of wrestling for real. Yeah. First of all, um, I think we already kind of touched on the first question I got together here, which is like, what keeps you into wrestling? Yep. And um, I guess a good a next, just a little follow up to that is, do you remember any of your first significant memories with wrestling? What what it was specifically your first time you ever really saw it? Well, so it's kind of funny that you and I kind of have like the same first experience. Mine just so happens to be um, my my actual first experience with. Pro wrestling would be the 2006 Royal Rumble. Yeah, yeah, the 2006 Royal Rumble. So it would have been when Edge faced John Cena for the WWE Championship and Rey Mysterio won. It was right after the Eddie Guerrero passing. Um, so that's kind of when I was first introduced to it. But my first big experience in pro wrestling was uh, WrestleMania 23, which was the one that you talked about earlier in Detroit. Oh, wow. I was actually there live. At the age of like, what, nine years old? No way. Yeah. Uh huh. So that was like my first real experience with it. Uh, one thing I'll never forget is uh is the Undertaker. I was beyond scared of the Undertaker, which is a little funny thing. I ran to the bathroom when he came out. Who did he face that night? Batista. Ah. Yeah, for the World Heavyweight Championship. And who won? I can't remember. I can't remember. Undertaker. Yeah. I'm just kidding. Yeah, I'm just uh -huh. kidding. Of yeah. course. I was about to say, I hope you knew that. I hope I hope as a wrestling fan that was something we knew. Because that man didn't lose up until, what, 2014? Oh, I mean, so I didn't put that in my questions here. No, you're good. But that, actually, you know what? That was one of the things I thought about asking. So I'll just ask that one now. But it's just like, what do you think are the worst kind of things that have... I, one of my questions was the worst gimmicks of the last 10 years. But oh. I, I guess that's a kind of a similar question is what are the worst happenings in professional wrestling even? I, we, we just ask those at yeah. the same time, yes. you know, because so, they kind of go together. They do. They do. They go hand in hand. That's a really damn good question. Um, The worst happening might have been... Dropping dropping the ball on the Undertaker and who he lost to, I really think that him losing to Brock Lesnar in 2014 was a horrible mistake by WWE. And I think, it, I I think looking at the landscape of wrestling now and Roman Reigns, he needed that win more than Brock Lesnar ever did. Oh yeah, I mean, but the thing is, it was kind of hard to see that then. To be it, fair, it it was, but WWE always had a plan with Roman Reigns, and they knew that. If, if you go back and really watch wrestling, because they ended up having Roman beat Undertaker at WrestleMania 33 uh, years after, three years after. They had a plan with Roman. They knew that Roman was going to be their guy. So it, it, the problem was is that you gave that away to a guy who was already made. Brock Lesnar was already a made man. He had done the UFC. He had won world championships. He didn't need that. In fact, it was teased in, in 08 when Edge was actually supposed to be the one who uh, beat The Undertaker and took took the streak. 
It was supposed to be Edge, which at the time, people would have been like, oh, yeah, that's a great idea. Edge deserved that. That was something the heel Edge could have went on and completely talked about and, you know, continued to have a crazy run with it. But that wasn't the case, and they ended up giving it to Brock. And then it, it, it just felt like it needed to be Roman because now looking at where we're at to this day, knowing that they already had this plan in motion with Roman, that he was going to be the guy. WWE pushed him down our throats for years until finally during COVID they got the thing to stick and he won the world title. It, it belonged to him. So that to me is the worst mess up that WWE has ever made in terms of booking. Now, where's the gimmicks? Oh, wait, 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 wait. Before we get off of this, so I have to say. Okay. I personally, I feel like it should have been CM Punk. I should have been, it should have been CM Punk because his momentum, he at was that already time. off of a bunch of losses at the time, but he was still so hot. He could still, he, he poured ashes on the Undertaker's <laughs> face. I mean, come on. It, it, <laughs> so listen, listen, everybody, and that's my thing though. CM Punk was still not the top level guy. He wasn't the guy that he could have used it at the time. And I think that's more or less what I'm trying to say. Oh, well, that, the other thing I wanted to say too, though, is that Roman, I don't think he was in the moment yet. Like if he got it now as Roman now, it would make perfect sense. Right. But in that moment, people would have rejected it. Well, they would have been like, thing, no, so my no, whole thing this of, is not. My whole thing about it is, is that it should have been saved. It should have never just been handed to Brock. And I think that's more or less of who, like, instead of who, it's when. It shouldn't have happened then. And you know what? You know, that, you know why I think you're right is because when it happened, I thought, well, you know what? It's probably because Taker just had to have it happen eventually, and he just accepted it's got to be this moment. It's got to be And Brock. I think who that was probably half the conversation in the back with Vince McMahon. It was just, hey, it looks like you may be coming up on your time, but it never was because the next yeah. year he went and faced Bray Wyatt. Uh-huh. That's what I was about to say, too, is like it didn't turn out like that. No. And that's why I got to agree. Because it just, it, as it plays out, he had a bunch of matches moving forward that weren't as meaningful. And that gets to my next thing is what I wanted to say the worst happening in the last 10 years, in my opinion, yeah. is Degeneration X versus Brothers of Destruction oh, in Saudi Arabia. Oh, man. The worst match. Oh. It, it, it um I think it was a disgrace to the legacy of Shawn Michaels and his retirement mm. match. It's mm. just so it's so wrong. It's so wrong that it even <sighs> happened. So so <laughs> so I mean when you really think about it, Goldberg and Undertaker and Saudi was horrible. That was a disaster. There's a lot of wrongdoings that WWE had, but that one with the brothers of destruction was a shit show. Dude. And when I say wrong, I mean like it is like. If, if WWE were a religion, that would be anti-religious. Like, it's so wrong in the face of the lore of the company. Like, just watching it, you're like, no, well, this shouldn't be. You look at Shawn Michaels and you're like, dude, you swore you were never going to come out of retirement. And what did you do? Right. It's like, we all remember what you said, bro. I'm not coming back. Like, I was there. I listened to the conversation. Like, yeah, no. It, it, and you know what, too, is it kind of goes with something I saw you saying in your videos where it's like Triple H has kind of been bringing back this long-term storytelling Absolutely. thing that we haven't seen in a while. And it doesn't it doesn't mesh well with that environment when you see things. I guess is this that'll, that happened before all this, which is good. We're seeing an improvement. Yeah. But that's the thing. That's the That was, you know what? I speak incorrectly because that was Vince. That was all Vince right there. <laughs> Vince, 
I'm not going to sit up and say that because obviously when you think of pro wrestling, you think of Vince McMahon, right? Uh, you, you know what? You're right. There's probably more characters that I'm not considering. Vince McMahon, he, in his later years, going into like the 2010s, right? That's when I started to see a disconnect with Vince McMahon. And it just, it came with age. You know what I mean? I thought Vince, you know, as much as he wanted to keep up with the times, just don't think he could. And um, when they merged WWE and uh, uh, UFC and they created TKO and Endeavor and all that, and that's a whole business thing that happened. But when the companies merged, everybody was under the assumption that Ari Emanuel was just going to take Triple H out of power and put Vince McMahon back in, when realistically that was not the case. Triple H ended up taking over the reins because Endeavor, the company that owns WWE, actually seen on the stock market what... It was doing for business with Triple H in power. So Triple H being in power just said, oh, well, the stock is really high. Why why would we fix something that's not broken? And everybody is now living in the world that they've wanted to live in for a very long time, and that is a Triple H-ran WWE, and it's good stuff, long-term, long-term storytelling. It's the best. It's, it's great to watch. You know what I mean? Yeah, and it's, it's – it, well, okay – so I feel like the prime, of course, it's got to be the Attitude Era. And that's why it's so tough. Is that's it's what because people connect with when they think of wrestling it, is exactly. the Attitude Era. And so it's, but, but it's never like that. It, it, I mean, you got to remember like with music, you got a band that's around for a long time. They're bound to change. So yep. we're never going to have that again. I'm just so interested to see where we're going. And I guess that heads to another question I had for you, which yeah. is like, what is your opinion on the current state of wrestling, what do you see moving forward? What do you really think we're going to see in the next couple years or so? So I am a firm believer in uh, Roman Reigns is dropping the belt this year at WrestleMania to Cody Rhodes. Um, <laughs> it's a it's like an ongoing joke right now on my channel. I think they I think all my people they tease me about it because of how passionate I get going into the idea of Cody Rhodes and Roman Reigns. Um, I think. Roman will eventually walk away from the WWE, and I think he'll go do what The Rock and Cena did. He'll go to Hollywood. It's just what all those big superstars do. You know what I mean? Um, but the current state of wrestling, I would think it is the healthiest it's ever been. Pro wrestling has never been healthier than it is right now. So if you really want me to get into the nitty-gritty of it, TNA just came back. TNA as a company... They changed their name back from, it was once Impact, but is now TNA. And TNA is doing some absolutely outstanding stuff. And there are three main companies in the North America region. That's not including Japan, where they're over there doing great stuff, too. Um, so there's a lot of places for people to work. And when there are more places for people to work, more people can put food on the table and more people can feed their families and stuff like that. And I think when... We think of pro wrestling, those are things that we need to think about is these people at the end of the day are human beings, just like me and you. You know, we need to put food on the table for our families and, you know, things like that. And that's really what this is. You know what I mean? So I think the current state of pro wrestling, it is he it's healthier than it's ever been. AEW, TNA, WWE, they're all um, doing what they can. I know AEW right now is getting a lot of backlash for um, just some things that they have going on and the way that... CM Punk was treated, but I don't think any uh, I don't think anybody should ever want another company to shut down. You know, because there are people in that company that have to put food on the tables. You know, 
Well, let's talk about that. Yeah. Let's talk about the CM Punk situation. Because, I mean, that seems to be a thing that a lot of professional wrestling fans are torn on for some reason. Now, I wonder if it's like that people have an affinity with CM Punk. Because really, it's like, to me, it's a it's almost a psychological thing. You wonder. Mm-hmm. Because in my opinion, CM Punk did nothing wrong. CM Punk was... He, if you look at the whole thing, I've studied this I, like a scholar, okay? If you yeah. look at that whole situation, CM mm-hmm. Punk had a lot of people coming at him in a lot of different ways yeah. in a place that he was not familiar with. He probably was nervous. As a matter of fact, my theory even now moving into the way that his promos have been a little bit stilted lately is that I think it's not even, there's no grand scheme or anything to it. I think he's just a little nervous now that he's just kind of been shaken up from the whole AEW thing and now he's back and because why else is CM Punk, the great CM Punk, stuttering? What's going on here? This is crazy. I think he's literally like he's just he's got he's shaken up. And so like when you're backstage and people are literally fucking with you 24-7, <laughs> bro, yeah. you would go crazy. Yeah. So I'll, <laughs> I'll I'll run it down for you, right? So this whole CM Punk situation, I've always kind of had like a like an even stance with it because okay, number one, you've probably seen the the all-out stuff with Hangman Page, the Young Bucks. Stuff like that. Of you course. Can, yeah. Yeah, that's that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, so you know the brawl out. So yeah. when I think about it, number one, the reporter who asked that question just asked the wrong question. I think it was Nick Houseman who asked the question, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong. Um but he had asked the question to CM Punk. CM Punk obviously completely rambled off on what his thoughts were. Talking about uh Cole Cabana, all of those things. Um, but it, from my impression, it was like CM Punk was ready to go because yeah, he started he, the whole thing with like, does anybody fancy themselves a reporter? reporter. I mean, yeah. like he was, yeah, yeah, he was already <laughs> going to do it. Yeah, he knew what he was going to do because of what Hangman had done before with going into business for himself in that one promo leading up to Double or Nothing. Yeah. Talking about workers' rights and stuff like that. But which, again, is just kind of like, I can see why that if you're if you're CM Punk in that moment, it, it, I don't even see how as a fan you could not sympathize with it. I think he handled that so well. Like if somebody's just so, coming at you so sideways out of nowhere, I think it's somebody misunderstanding the magic of what Punk does with something like a pipe bomb and trying mm-hmm. to do that to him. It, and it's it, I could see why he'd be frustrated. And yeah. so, but but then you got the whole Cole Cabana thing on top of it, and that piles up into this. Yeah, and I That's think what really happened what is, and I think where everybody is at fault, and CM Punk including, I believe that all of them are at fault. If you want me to be personally honest with you, I believe that every single person involved in that situation is at fault. Number one, it starts with Tony Khan, and I really want to make that clear. It starts with Tony Khan. He's running a business. He runs All Elite Wrestling. He runs AEW. That should have never made it past the curtain. Should have never. So the first person that needs to be at fault in this situation is Tony Khan. Now, Tony Khan has taken responsibility for it. He's suspended CM Punk. He's suspended all of them at the moment in time when it happened, right? So he fixes that problem. Now, the problem is is that it doesn't really happen in the moment, and he doesn't know how to stop it from happening, which as a boss, you should know how to stop things from happening that's why you're a boss CM Punk CM Punk was at fault in the situation because it whether no matter what those people said as a professional you should never dimmer yourself down to that level and to the Young Bucks Kenny Omega all those guys 
it should have never been a problem in the first place. Now, it starts with Hangman. Hangman's issue with CM Punk was that he felt CM Punk was coming in there trying to give advice. And it, this is all, I want to make this very clear, is this is not all 100% like factual. It's not what I know. It's just what I've read online, and it's no different than probably what you've read. Is the dirt sheets. It's the dirt sheets of pro wrestling. If anybody new is here to pro wrestling, welcome to it. It's a fuck. Oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, I already cursed. I already oh, cursed oh, earlier. You? It's a fucking <laughs> <Yeah>. shit show. <laughs> it sure is, dude. That's why I don't even try to. I just try to stick to like light sources nowadays. Yeah, I, don't I mean the try best. To go deep. The best people to to uh, keep in, keep tabs on are on Twitter, and it's Sean Ross Sapp with Fightful Select. Everything. That I, I I report is reported by him first, and I think that's because he is the most um, number one. He's the most respected source, and um, you just you know when something is reported by Sean that it, it's nine times out of ten going to be true. Um, there was the CM Punk thing returning at Survivor Series, but that's a whole other topic that we'll probably get into here in a little bit. Um, we might as well. I mean, are you, are you going somewhere else with this? I apologize. So, so, so the last thing I wanted to say about this whole thing with you know Hangman Page and all of them is that Hangman Page decided that he didn't want to take advice from an elder. Now, I want everybody to know that in this CM Punk situation, CM Punk was trying to offer Hangman Page advice. Hangman Page didn't want the advice, and I really want to make it clear to everybody that <laughs> this is the real world. It's okay to not take advice. You don't have to. And if Hangman Page didn't want to listen to the advice, realistically, he doesn't have to. He's a grown man at the end of the day. Is he wrong for it? Yeah, CM Punk's an elder, somebody who's been in the business for a long time. Definitely should probably listen to that guy and take some advice from him. Now, where CM Punk was wrong was thinking that he had to take the advice. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, right, right. He could just brush it off as a professional. As, as a professional and move on yeah. from it. And and the other thing was when he came out on a whole separate occasion and he pretty much invokes Hangman Adam Page again when mm -hmm. it's truly uncalled for at that point. It he is. He could have just left it that, alone. That was the thing is he came back out later on, or not later on, but just a, a whole separate down night. The line. Yeah, it's, it was, a, which it was even way worse. after things had happened. Yeah, that's what like made it, it bad. So just CM, forget about it, bro. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's the professional side of it that you're like, oh, man, like... Oh, we're, yeah. we're touching boundaries here. So at well, the end so of the this day, this is what gets me though: is that people are divisive about it, and they look at all of that on the whole face of it, and then say, "Oh, CM Punk's hard to work with." And it's like, no, hmm. it's nowhere near that simple. It's no, just I that believe that every, I believe everybody was at fault in that situation. I don't think anybody was harder to work with than anybody. I believe they were all at fault. Everybody in that moment was hard to work with. Exactly, and this is the thing: is you study any professional wrestling for a long period of time and you realize, oh, most of these people are crazy. Yeah. Most of these people just, they're all going to be hard to work with because they're doing professional wrestling for a living. What, that's a crazy lifestyle. It's like This is their mentality. Yeah. Look at freaking Vince McMahon. Just like study his life for an hour and you will be amazed at the things you find. <laughs> You're going to go down is, a rabbit hole. <laughs> he's an anomaly. He is. He's literally an anomaly of a human. And that's the type of thing that professional wrestling produces. Matter of fact, that's the type of, that's the only thing that could have produced the professional wrestling that we see today. It's, it's so Vince crazy. McMahon. That, that's where it all comes from. It's is that the man one guy. who bought a company off of his father for a million dollars. Yeah, I mean, if there's any monopoly uh, that I respect, it's got to be that one. Yeah. I gotta say, I can't hate on the WWE. Nope. I just can't. It's a, it's, <laughs> it's a crazy place, man. It's a crazy place. 
Speaking of uh, the WWE and where we're at today, so what do you think happens in terms of the whole competition moving forward? Do you think that it's actually possible AEW becomes a significant competitor for WWE, or do you think we just kind of see this thing where the ratings kind of... I mean, there's the whole Netflix thing that just happened yeah. just before we did this podcast, which is crazy because uh, that kind of is a whole other layer to that yep. conversation now. Because yep. really, it's about where everything's at and what people watch. That's mm -hmm. really what the story is. Yep. And the truth... Of the, the the truth is, in my opinion, a lot of people stopped watching TV a long time ago. Mm -hmm. I think Vince kind of burned people out from the 2010s to the 2020s specifically. And then you see, uh, like, like, for me, the things that really killed me were, like you said, Undertaker losing to Brock. That hurt my spirit. Yeah. Losing CM Punk hurt my spirit. There were a couple other things that really hurt. Brodus Clay coming out as a Funkasaurus hurt oh, my spirit. Okay. Man. There's a couple things. I forget about that, I, that sometimes. <laughs> that, I was pumped. I was like, Brodus Clay is going to be a killer. And then. No, it was not. It was not. It, it was almost like, uh, I'm not sure if you remember Lord Tensai. Oh, I do. Yeah, I do. Seeing him, I, 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 I'm having a brain fart. Weren't they in a name. tag team? Did yes. they end up? Yes, yeah. they ended up tag teaming. Yes, and it was just, it didn't need to happen. A-Train is the name that he had prior, before Lord Tensai. Lord Tensai wasn't even that bad of a gimmick. That could actually it work pretty well as, as a monster heel. Yeah, I mean, looking at somebody like Karrion Cross, who, you know, has, he came out on TV with, armor on it's like yeah you could have got that to work if you just would have did it right hey hey well and that's the thing so like these are the things that burn people out and i think that's all overall what even contributes to an AEW, and that's why you have the beauty of the renaissance era you might want to call it today where you see people kind of turning around and going you know what this is we already had this whole pg i, I don't know mm -hmm. if it, renaissance follows pg i don't know what the yeah. whole uh a chronology of it is, but I have to imagine that's what it is. Yeah. So, if if that is the case, I hope we're at the very beginning of a new era. So we are. I have to ask you after I say this monologue. You tell me, sir. What do you? What's your predictions moving forward? Do you see? What do you think? New Japan's going to become the new WWE. <laughs> what do you think it is? So, so number one, I'm here to tell you nobody's taking over WWE spot. Just understand that as as a pro wrestling fan, WWE is way ahead of the game. They have 20 years on AEW. You know what I mean? In North America, they have 20 years on them. Try catching up to that. It's really hard. Now, is AEW doing a great job at being a number two? Absolutely. They're doing a wonderful job. Silver isn't that bad. I talked about it on one of my videos. Silver isn't a bad color when you think about it, right? Silver is not bad. The problem with AEW is they focus too much on WWE. They've allowed a lot of things to be said in their company about WWE to versus WWE who just did a recently I want to say it was this past Monday with CM Punk and Cody Rhodes two guys that were once in AEW two guys that AEW what many people say dropped the ball on those were two very important people in pro wrestling in AEW and just walked over to WWE and they created magic there so Two guys who had trouble, constant battle, all of these things in AEW. Cody Rhodes was the—he was the creator. He was the creator of AEW. He was the guy with the idea. To walk into yeah. WWE should tell you every 
thing that you need to know about WWE. Well, it goes back to what you said before, even about Tony Khan, too, though, because both of those things are kind of a result of the overall leadership, I believe, of Tony Khan. Yes. He just doesn't seem to take control of, like, and, and that's kind of the problem of having even wrestlers being in control of your company. I don't know if you listen to uh, Cornette at all, if you listen I, to his I'm, podcast. I, so I have a problem. Right, so I have this thing over on my channel. I do know a lot about Jim Cornette, and I have watched. Um, but around here, uh, yeah, it's hard to listen to other people, man, because it's hard to take ideas. Because a lot of these people in the podcasters, I know for you, it's a little bit different. You know what I'm saying? You've probably been down a rabbit hole. But as somebody who does this for a living and stuff like that, like it's hard to sit up and listen to these guys because they all have their own takes. And it's like, yeah, some of it's right, but a lot of it I disagree with. So constantly as it's, it's weird, right? Because in music, you respect everybody here. It's like, okay, well I want to argue this now, right? Because Jim Cornette may say something and I may be like, Oh, I want to argue that. But like what? It's a weird thing. <laughs> it's this constant weird thing. Uh, that's funny. It's kind of like how uh, I, I have this thing where I don't want to watch, I don't want to read a movie review or okay. see anything about a movie review because if you give me an impression, I know I'm impressionable enough to where if I go see the movie, I'm going to be thinking, wait, well, why did they say this movie was so good? Yeah. Like, it's not that good. Yeah. <laughs> if I, it, if everybody's saying a movie's great, I'm going to think, oh, this movie's going to be, be great. great. And then I go in there. And it's, 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 is it, is it not great? I don't know. I don't know. Or, or I'll just think it's great automatically because they told me it was great. I don't know. I, I, I'm impressionable. I can tell you this much. Yeah. I can tell you this much. It is what it is. It is. At the end of the day, it's perfectly fine. Like I, I do, I respect somebody like Jim Cornette who obviously has so many, so many, so many years in the business. It, it's unheard of how many years is in the business. <laughs> Jim Cornette has. So that guy, if anybody has an opinion and somebody should listen to it, you should absolutely 100% listen to Jim Cornette. Well, the reason, that's the reason I like listening to him over all anybody else is because I feel like he at least has a solid opinion of what, and, and that's why I even referenced him is because I mentioned the thing about you have wrestlers in control of a wrestling business. Like, that's kind of unprecedented when it comes to a major business. Like, WWE and TNA, they didn't have that going on. And they... I'm pretty sure TNA didn't have wrestlers. I mean, I think, wasn't Jeff Jarrett in a major role in that company? I'm pretty sure he was. Uh, Jeff but Jarrett, I don't think it was... Jeff Jarrett, he was big, yeah, in TNA? Jeff, I think he was. Yeah, yeah Jeff I thought, Jarrett, I thought he Jeff had a major Jarrett, role in the that Jarrett, company. The Jarretts actually owned TNA. Oh, well, that's what it was. Yes, mm -hmm. yes. I was, wasn't sure if I was misremembering. Yep. Him and so his dad. you have that, but but that's, yeah. So he's, a, he's the owner at yep. that point. You don't really have a whole bunch of wrestlers involved in the tentacles of the corporation aspect of no. it. And I think that's the problem with something like AEW as well, is you have that plus Tony Khan, who's a guy who wants to be friends with everybody, and he wants everybody to get along. And so, you can't do that if you have people who aren't naturally meshing like their whole thing is that they fight on stage. It's yeah, the whole so, thing. So that's the magic of Vince is that he and Triple H now is that he kind of takes advantage of. That's the magic mm -hmm. of that promo you mentioned with CM Punk, Cody Rhodes. Beautiful. Is there's a reality happening there? Yes. There's something that you believe in, and because you want to see these guys go at it. Yeah. And if if you're somebody like Tony Khan, you're kind of afraid of that. Like if it was Vince, he would have taken advantage of that. He would have said, "Let's book these guys mm -hmm. for a match because business. Let's have it's them business at the end of the day. That's one thing that yeah. AEW, I think, will." forever have in the back of their mind that they may have messed up on and it's the idea that Kenny Omega and CM Punk did not have a match at All In 
at, at Wembley Stadium. I, I think in the Young Bucks or, or maybe just CM Punk and FTR, I think that's one thing that AEW is constantly going to have over the back of their head now is that they never got to create that magical moment that they could have brought out and could have had so many fans in attendance with the idea that you just put business first and put personal second. And CM Punk was always interested. CM Punk was... There were many reports that came out, so I'm not going to say that these are 100% factual, but there were many reports that came out that CM Punk wanted to sit down. He wanted to talk to those guys. He wanted to work it out because he wanted to put business first and knew that it, it almost gives me goosebumps. Sitting down with those guys, they could have made millions of dollars off that one little petty blast that CM Punk had, and they didn't. Yes, I get it. Tony Khan's a billionaire. He has a lot of money. Doesn't mean he doesn't want any more. And that could have made him a lot more money when he put it into perspective. But uh, it, 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 uh, like CM Punk said at the very end of his return to Monday Night Raw, mm-hmm. uh, I'm not here to make, make friends. friends. I'm, I'm here, here to, to make, make money. money. Yep. <laughs> I I truly believe that was a Tony Khan call out. Yeah, <laughs> I so, really do think that's so, what it was. <laughs> so it it was, and the crazy part is, is that when you really think about what it is now and where they are, just recently we talk about the promo with Cody and and, and CM Punk. That promo it it affected a lot of people in smaller ways than many people would know, or bigger ways, excuse me, than many people would know. Um, CM Punk. It, it was funny. He said something in the promo. Both of them did. He said, uh, my dad was, CM Punk said, my dad was an electrician, which makes me more of the American dream than you. Obviously referencing Cody Rhodes' father, Dusty Rhodes, the American dream. And then they talked about that pipe bomb promo that we've kind of referenced in this podcast. The pipe bomb promo, CM Punk went out. He completely shook, shook pro wrestling up in 2011. I want to say it was 2011, 2010 or 2011. Completely shook up pro wrestling at a time where it was really going downhill. And we talked about that 2010 era and how it was really bad. It was, but we had this. The pipe bomb, that pipe bomb promo that happened, it shook, it shook up the industry. And many people heard it. So much so that somebody like Cody Rhodes heard it. And Cody Rhodes told CM Punk that when he left, he said, Hey, you, you dropped the torch. You didn't care who picked it up. But you know who picked it up, and it was me, because everything that you ushered and said in that promo, I did, which would make me more CM Punk than you. Tell me that doesn't make you feel something. See, that made me think, because I really had to think about it. Mm-hmm. I, it made me think about the legacy of CM Punk, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because is that true? Is that truly factual? Is it really true? I, for one, I think that when CM Punk said that about him being more the American dream than Cody Rhodes, I thought that was a great line. It was. And I think that uh, Cody Rhodes, if they didn't talk about that in the back, if that's really them impromptu, they really are like masters of their craft. Because oh, that 100%. is, it, it was truly is. Now, like, I do uh, believe wanna, these things were kind of, I, I definitely think they were bulletin, maybe, uh, you know, hey, I'm going to say something about this. I don't think word for word for word excuse me, word for word, that's exactly what happened. But I do think there was some kind of discussion discussion in the back. 
Yeah, I always wonder how scripted everything ends up being. Truly, so it's just truly. more of a bulletin thing, like, hey, I'm going to touch on this, 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 and then we'll go from there. It's not yeah, so... Yeah, yeah. At least with those guys. So, you know, somebody like maybe a, uh, like a Kira Tozawa, you know, he's going to have a scripted promo where they're going to be like, hey, go out and say this. But the guys yeah. like CM Punk and Cody Rhodes, who obviously are just very good at, at what they do, they're going to be like, hey, yeah, just hit these right here and cover those bases and then go out there and do what you need to do. But the uh, again, the American Dream line, it, or I'm sorry, the CM Punk line, mm-hmm. it made me think, you have this idea where CM Punk did say all of this and then he did drop out of the industry. And yeah. in a way, I mean, even when you look at the CM Punk MJF feud and everything MJF said in that, mm-hmm. there's some truth to what MJF said directly to CM, CM Punk Punk's about. CM Punk's a hypocrite. Uh, so that's the thing in my in my heart because that's the reason I'm really getting back into wrestling and I've always kept tabs throughout all the years but mm-hmm. seeing CM Punk return it, it, it really it, brought it me brought, back in it a brought big a way. lot of people back brother I'm here to tell you it brought a lot of people back yeah I mean how could it not he's the dude he's yeah, the guy he is for me he's so the guy that's my thing is as much as CM Punk is a hypocrite so are you and I right okay and that's well that's what I was gonna say. CM Punk is best as the bad guy. He's a heel at heart. And in my heart and soul, you turn that guy heel right now. You stop wasting our time. You turn him heel immediately. What are you doing? I was hoping at first that he he was kind of teasing a heel turn. And what we were seeing going on is uh, he's doing, like, especially when he did that handshake with Adam Pierce, And it was all like he was looking in the camera Mm -hmm. and he was saying, like, you know, it just felt so on point. It was like, CM Punk, is this like a corporate punk? thing we're setting up right now so and not that's why i told you my theories maybe he's just nervous like i've really been thinking about this because i i want a heel cm punk so bad so listen what they're doing right now (laughs) is they're capitalizing on the idea of cm punk just being back in the wwe obviously you have to get that out of the way you have to capitalize Uh, on him being the good guy right now we're doing a long-term storytelling long-term storytelling so the summer of punk you best believe that Sam Punk and Seth Rollins are going to go one-on-one at WrestleMania. That is the match. I want to make that very clear for people is that will be the match that you see. Come back to this video and you can quote me on it. Sam Punk versus Seth Rollins will happen in the main event of night one of WrestleMania. Now, what's going to happen next? Oh, well, Drew McIntyre is going to cost Sam Punk. This is something that me and my buddy Ango on his channel have talked about numerous times. Drew McIntyre, the next night on Raw, is going to come out and he is going to spoil the CM Punk run. CM Punk's only going to hold that belt for a day because Damian Priest is going to come in and cash in. So you're about to turn Damian Priest into... Because he, Damian Priest is already kind of starting to tease the idea of him in the Judgment Day, so he's going to be a good guy. So him cashing in will just be a good guy scenario, Right? Okay. But he's capitalizing because you have to understand that with that money in the bank comes capitalizing. It's just one thing that people should understand. Costs, you know, so Drew McIntyre is going to take what CM Punk stole from Drew McIntyre, and that was the World Heavyweight Championship. I made a video on it. Um, I'm not sure how much, how much you keep up with the day-to-day product. Drew McIntyre has the most logical heel turn in the world. It makes sense. It's a, it's a legitimate villain arc. It's, it's So many people have done me so wrong that I can no longer bear it. It's, it's like I have to hold a grudge. 
How many times have you held a grudge? Probably numerous times. And he's going to hold that grudge with CM Punk. So eventually, down the line, what you're going to get is you're going to get CM Punk as the bad guy because CM Punk is going to get tired of people costing him those big moments. And then you see him shaking the hand with Adam Pearce. You see him, WWE, WWE, that guy? Yeah, that's a corporate dude who blasted that company for years. CM Punk shit all over, all over WWE and comes back randomly and just magically loves the company? No, that's a bad guy. He's a corporate guy, right? You see where I'm kind of going with this? The corporate idea you're absolutely right about. How can a guy be such a hypocrite that he's gone on the internet, talk shit, this is the worst place I've ever been, my mental health, and comes back and just, I love this company. It's my favorite place. No, it's not. We know it. You're a hypocrite. And that's what's going to turn him into a bad guy. If we're really going to break down the logic of it, it's he's and a hypocrite. The, the, the beauty of that is that it plays into the reality that CM Punk rides on so perfectly anyways. Exactly. For him to become a heel because he is a hypocrite makes perfect sense because truly he is. And it taps back into that thing I mentioned about the MJF feud that they had. That was that's one what of MJF the greatest feuds him. to this day. Yes, yes, it truly was because... It felt so real, yep. and, and and I I kind of still think it was. <laughs> it's still so, real to me, damn it. So yeah, it, I mean, hey, at the end of the day, if you can understand that, yeah, there was probably some animosity, there was probably some words said, all of those things. Yeah, no, you have to understand that some of that probably was real. MJF, I mean, go back to the the picture with MJF and CM Punk, dude. It doesn't get any realer than that. Well, I was going to mention the promo where they hugged, and then you have oh, him CM, going... Oh, or, or uh, the white t-shirt or whatever. Yeah, the yeah. apology. Yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, I remember that. That was at Daly's place. Oh, it's just... It's it's such a... If you go it, back and watch the timeline of feud. that... If you go back and watch the timeline of that feud, that feud is insane. All yes, the way around. And that, that's the beauty of wrestling, and I'm just hoping we get some more of that moving forward. I think that they've planted a couple seeds with Punk so far. Yeah, what do you, you think just, are some big? Oh, continue. Sorry. Oh no, no, my apologies. I just think those are things that are you're going to see digress over time. Yes. Well, I was going to say, what do you think would be some good feuds? What do you think are some good pairings you could see so, in a couple companies? So Cody and Punk right now is obviously. I mean, that watching that, it felt like Rock and Austin. Oh, I know, because and I, I was scrolling through comments as mm -hmm. I tend to, yeah. and uh, you know, I saw a few people expressing that sentiment where it's like I would watch weeks to months of this. Yeah, like, this absolutely, is and and I think that's the thing. It's you've just in one little segment that was promoted a week beforehand was the aura. We in wrestling we talk about the word aura, the aura in the arena. It felt big. It felt like money. Felt like main event. You know what I mean? So And there's not too much of that in the last five years or no, so. No, there's say. not. But now WWE is in a really good position. I'm not just going to talk about WWE here. But they are in a really good position right now in the sense of there are so many guys that could be the guy in that company. 
You have Cody Rhodes. You have Sam Punk. You have Sami Zayn. You have Gunther. You have Jay Uso. You have Drew McIntyre. You have Roman Reigns. You have LA Knight. You have Grayson Water- Waller. You have a bunch of names, and I could just keep listing if I really wanted to. But WWE has never been in a more comfortable spot when it comes to who can take the ball and run with it. Seth Rollins recently got hurt. Seth Rollins, people were worried about, oh, well, he's the World Heavyweight Championship. What happens? And then Gunther came out, and people were like, oh, shit. That makes a lot of sense. Gunther could be the guy. Yeah, he could. He really could. You don't need to tell me any kind of story. You could just let him be the guy because... It's believable. I've seen Gunther enough on my TV to be like, hell yeah, that guy should be the world champion. You know what I mean? So WWE yeah. is in a really good place when it comes to like top guys and that stuff. But Cody and Punk is one that comes to mind. Uh, Roman and Cody is huge to me. I still believe there's a lot of money in that. And I do believe that at WrestleMania 40, we get that in night two of the main event. I think Cody finishes the story. Again, that's a big topic. Um but Cody and Roman, then you have... Um, so what's Seth, night one? Night one should be Seth and Punk. Oh, there you go. So uh, it's funny. I talked about it on in mine and Ango's post show that we do. So, um, we talked about it, and it was... We seen what happened with Cody and Punk, and everybody instantly thought, like, that needs to be WrestleMania this year. No, it doesn't. Those guys are going to be here for a little bit longer. Right? That's something you can do a year from now, two years from now. You let it build. Right? People, again, we go back to this, we live in such a moment time to where that moment with Punk and Cody felt huge. That they forgot that a month ago, Punk and Rollins had one of the biggest interactions I've ever seen. Punk and Rollins looking at each other and Punk saying what he said and then Rollins being like I hate you. Do you do you know how strong of a word hate is? It's a very strong word. To just look well, at I, Go ahead. I saw one of the, in one of the comments one thing I really appreciated about that promo is somebody said that he did what Adam or uh, uh, Hangman, Hangman Page. Adam Page was trying to, to do. do. Yes. And that's exactly what that was. Yep. Cuz like he rode the line of reality in and the right it. way to where, as a fan, you feel everything he's saying, but it's not like you lose him at any point. It's not like nope. he's going in business for himself, as one would say. Nope. It's just that all makes sense, especially if you're somebody who... What, what, one thing CM Punk's so good at, and what, with this magical thing we're talking about here, is like... It's for the people who actually pay attention. It's for the people who do go deep on those, like, because that line in particular only makes sense with the Seth Rollins line that I'm talking about. It only really makes sense if you know the truth of all of that, which you'd have to have listened to the whole well, Punk Colt Cabana you podcast. You have, you'd to, have to understand it all. Why Seth Rollins even has this disdain Seth, Seth for CM Punk at, to begin with? Seth looks at Punk as a uh, as as a hypocrite, as one would. He looks at yeah. him as you spit on on my flag. And I I ran with the WWE flag when you left. I'm the guy. And it's true. And it's not untrue. And that's the thing about um, all of that is that it all plays into that CM Punk hypocrite angle. And it's kind of hard for CM Punk to even (laughs) 
can't even argue with it. No. He did just leave. It is what he did. Yeah, that's what And not only that, like you said, he just went on a podcast and straight talked shit for four hours. Four hours. His mental health. Uh, uh, the, the doctors treated him like he sued them. They sued him. I thought. I thought they sued him. It might have. So they sued him. He countersued. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah. All right. They sent him his termination papers on his wedding day. Yeah, yeah, and then that well, that was I think the true thing that even brought the podcast about. I think he just felt personally wrong. Yeah, he did. By the he whole felt situation. like they were yeah. they were coming out to get him, and Vince later on would go on to apologize to him and be like, "Hey, like you know, that was never the case. It was never the, the, that. Just so happened to be the day that the papers came. You can't predict yeah. when the mail's gonna come. <laughs> <laughs> it just so happened to fall on that day." You know, when you really think about it, yeah, CM Punk really did just, uh, he did kind of not give fate too much credit on that no, one. No, <laughs> uh-uh, he really didn't. No. He, he shit all over them because he got the papers on his wedding day. It's like, ah, that was going to happen. Hey, bro, you really think Jeff Bezos is on top of it like that? You know I mean, what I'm I saying? I don't even get my package until... Come on now, come on. Let's be real here. And then we're talking 2008. Like, we weren't even into... We weren't even in his shipping that fast. So I'm sure, I'm sure he probably sent that letter out. That's the whole thing, though, is if you, it, the, following that whole situation, it wasn't just that. It was also the thing where you had CM Punk who, he didn't necessarily try to leave. I think that he thought he was on break, right? Isn't that the whole story? Is that he thought he wasn't working there for a little bit, and then so, they told him, you're not coming back. At all. If I if I remember correctly, I thought no. that's what it was. No, so that's not what happened. Sam Punk walked out. Sam Punk at the Royal Rumble in 2014. Um, oh, I apologize. Yeah, he yeah. had that whole uh, interaction with Vince and Triple H. Yep, and and they, then he left. But there was no... The whole thing was that the contract never... You still have a contract, of course. That's the whole thing. So, so is he breaking his contract? Yeah. Are we going to allow CM Punk to do this? He yeah. is kind of a megastar. That's probably that's what's going why on in the him. mind of Triple H and Vince. Yeah. yeah that's why, that's, they that's why they That's why they ended up having to do something at all. Yeah. That's why they ended up sending him papers. Yep. So it, in retrospect, you can see everybody's side of the yeah. whole situation. Yeah, you start to look and be like, oh, well, was he wrong or were they wrong? And it just becomes, oh, well, everybody was wrong. You know, as I mature, I understand Triple H's side of that situation more. Well, Triple H was just kind of the guy under Vince. Yeah, and he was kind of the fall guy of CM Punk for a lot of that. I mean, he was the one who got blasted. He got blasted hard. I mean, Kevin Nash got a little bit, but like CM Punk, uh, John Laurinaitis got a little tap or so, but uh, it was Triple H that got pretty much everything. Well, Triple H was like the the redheaded (laughs) stepchild in this situation. He was the guy who, uh, who in in that regard, you're the son-in-law to the the corporate man. You're the you're the son-in-law, and this is gonna be all yours when it's all said and done. And yeah, I think Triple H really got the. The, the the real heat over it, and I think that's why you see CM Punk come out with that shirt that hell froze over, and that's because it really did. CM Punk coming back to the WWE was the biggest thing that has ever happened in pro wrestling. It's bigger than Bret Hart. I, yes. Eh, it is. It is. It's bigger than Bret Hart. I'm not I gotta say, yeah. it's what brought me back. It's what brought a lot of people back. Exactly. And, I think that and that should speak you, for itself. And when you say bigger than Bret Hart, um, 
I think that even it plays into that whole thing that I mentioned about riding that line and that thing that's mm-hmm. so attractive about wrestling. Because the reason that Bret Hart and the whole screw job thing brought everybody in is because it's what is that? What is a Montreal screw job? That's real life interacting with wrestling in a way Absolutely. that you can't even really explain. You don't know if like, it's real or not. Tell the story. This man goes on national <laughs> television and types WCW and, and makes sure he does it the correct way that on camera they read WCW. Yeah, yeah. That's insane when you think about it. Like, how, how do you blur those lines? What's real? What's not? Like you said, it's the most attractive thing about wrestling, and I'd agree. It is. Blurring lines and not knowing what's real and what's not. And then many years down the line, I think that happened in 97, and in 2010, he came back. So 13 years later, Bret Hart was back in the WWE. Obviously, he was way past his time by that, by that time. But he did. Came back to the WWE, and he ended up squashing everything with Shawn Michaels and and Vince, and so much so, I believe it, I forget who the ref was. I want to say it was Earl Hebner at the time, who was the ref in the now, match. Now, if I remember correctly, this was around the time that TNA had a few significant returns happening, too. Like, I feel like there was some TNA thing going on right around... Oh, no, I'm thinking when Bret Hart returned, what you're talking about. Oh, so return. that was in 2010. That's when TNA had, yeah. like, AJ Styles, they had... Uh, Hulk Hogan, Eric Bischoff, I think this was upon when Ric Flair or Hogan showed up in TNA. That's when we saw Bret Bret Hart Hart come back back up. Yeah, because WWE and TNA, they were competing at the time. And (laughs) there was a point where uh, TNA, like, went on Mondays. And Eric Bischoff just tried recreating what WCW did. And obviously, he never could. Um, I mean, TNA was never going to be as big as the WWE. WWE just has too much of a mass audience. And I... And I think that's the thing is WWE's audience is so massive because it's not just you and I who understand pro wrestling and and are fans of pro wrestling, but it also has young kids. It also has families. You know, that's why the WWE is so big. It's so it's so diverse in so many different regards. And that's why when they get a deal from Netflix, they get five billion dollars over the course of 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think WWE, if it's proved anything, it's kind of like it. It's when they say they're a, one of the longest running episodic television shows of all time. You got to think about that. Like, think about the other ones that have, are on. They're not shows that are. Uh, it, maybe you have like shows like The Simpsons or shows like this. Yeah, but it's nothing, not, nothing live. Nothing live. Nothing where you have people traveling across the road mm-hmm. yep. every single week. You have writers writing every single week. You have this madman behind the whole process. A every complete single madman. Week. Yes, absolutely, <laughs> a complete madman. I mean, there's something that happens there where you just, and and I think that that's kind of the touch that WWE has that the other companies can never have. It's just something that's that's, not to say, it's not to say that they can never have it, but it's to say like, they'll never be able to recreate what the WWE has done. No, and if anything, they shouldn't want to. And that's taps on what you said about the problem with Tony and, and AEW is that they're trying to do the WWE thing when they should just be embracing what they are. And that was not the whole thing of AEW is when I first felt when I first heard about AEW, they were never going to be WWE 2.0. They were just always going to be AEW one. They were going to be the the alternative to WWE, and that's always what I wanted. So recently, I will say. AEW is doing a great job on their television show. I, ha- I Obviously, it was on tonight, and we are doing this right now while it's on. 
so didn't tune in. But they are doing stuff by bringing like the ranking system back, which gives it more of a sports feel, which is something that I can appreciate. If that makes any sense, like I can appreciate that. Now my problem is, is are you too late? Like, have has that bridge already been burnt by the fans that it's going to be hard for them to go back to AEW even while they're trying to recreate? Those are questions that, you know, you just have to ask. Yeah, yeah, because I think that I think that if you're somebody who's really into AEW and you see the way that certain things have played out and you see the way that certain politics happen, it's just kind of frustrating. And it's reminiscent of TNA. It goes back to TNA where you see that WWE 2.0 thing happen towards Mm -hmm. the end of its life cycle. You see this thing happen where it starts to flip and now we're just trying to be the other guy. Honestly, even WCW, it's like history just repeats itself over and over that's and over what, again. That's the constant thing. That's the constant thing with pro wrestling is that it's, yes, that is 100% something that you should expect. And WCW, I mean, that's one thing I've been meaning to research. And there's books about it, but I really want to get into the downfall of that. I mean, not there's in this conversation, a, um, but just in general. There because, is a, um, if you really want to see the downfall, do you have Peacock? I do, actually, yeah. You do have Peacock, okay. So, on Peacock, if you go into the WWE section, right, there is a program. It is, um, it's it's uh, the Monday Night Wars. They actually did a, a documentary series on it with all the guys actually talking about it from that time. So, you get, like, an in-depth look on, like, how it was when WCW was coming up how it was when they were competing, when they started beating Monday Night Raw, and then when they fell. So if you really want to do research, I think it's like tw- maybe like 20 episodes, but they talk about like Goldberg, they talk about Sting, you know, and all those guys, they come on and they talk about it. It's very interesting stuff. Yeah, that's probably the best way to do it. It's something that has the visual aid going on. That's the it's thing is you can get the visual leg. Yeah, and you want to see everybody. It, I mean, unless you're watching it week by week, on right. like episode by episode, it's very hard to get a real feel. That's the whole problem with um, a lot of that stuff. Where if you weren't there in that moment, like it's kind of hard to explain what the CM Punk pipe bomb really was if you because weren't at somebody the time, who watched no, wrestling. Because at the, time. At, the, at the time, it didn't make any sense. It didn't make sense until later down the line. You know what I mean? Like later it's in the so years. It's so ahead of its time. It's so because what he was doing there, like now when everybody's kind of. Now now you see wrestlers who are kind of so beyond Keyfabe that when you have somebody like MJF who's so in character. And blurring the lines. Yeah, that that's like he's the one who's breaking the mold and doing something different. But I think that CM Punk, when he came out and he did that, he was the one who initiated that change in a way. Because I mean, you see so much change happen for that. That was truly a revolutionary promo in so many ways. It, 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 because you didn't have people going out there and doing that for a, at least a long time. I mean, maybe you had. Uh, I think there's a similar promo of Heyman doing that in the late 90s. I mean, Heyman was always the guy who made you feel something. When Jim Cornette was uh, on Raw in the late 90s, there's a couple promos of him doing a similar type of pipe bomb promo where he's talking. Jim was always off the the script. Oh, dude. Well, that's kind of the magic of him. I, I, 
I, I feel like if you're somebody who loves wrestling, do, do you at least watch Jim's promos? Have you seen I, a decent amount of his promos? I'm I'm here to tell you, I'm not a big watcher of his podcast, but I know a lot about Jim Cornette. Okay, because that guy's wild. He I mean, is, <laughs> he is somebody who, I mean, I watched Dark Side of the Ring and heard him talk about wrestling from the 1930s. And you think about that and you're like, man, 1930, how do you even know anything about that? Yeah, it's, he's just one. Of, well, that's why I respect he, him. He's he's he in it respect, for the, the the game. He, he it's it it's just like music. He respects the business. Yes, and the thing is, like, that's the tragedy of a lot of wrestling in modern times. And I totally, I think it's a divisive topic. But I truly feel that, like, when you look at somebody like Bret Hart, mm-hmm. the more and more you get into wrestling, the more and more you see the injustices of the. Brock Lesnar's beating the Undertaker streaks and the Saudi Arabia matches and all this business interfering with the beauty that is the storytelling that goes down and also the technical aspect of the wrestling itself. You see people like Bret Hart get bitter with the business and turn over time. And then you hear them come out and talk about it and the public perception gets torn because people say either one of two things. They say, oh, well, this guy's just bitter and he just hates the business and he can't look at things in a positive light. Or you see people who agree and they're like, oh, this guy's just telling the truth. Right. And I think you see the same thing happen with CM Punk that you do with a character like Bret Hart. Absolutely. It's like people who the business just burnt out over and over. Yeah, and, and that's what happened. How could you not? Because yeah. I think that that's why I said that thing about people in wrestling are crazy. Like if you're a, a sane, logical person in that business, you're screwed. It's kind of John Cena. It blows my mind how how clear minded and and straightforward that guy is. Yeah. <laughs> like, John Cena is is the goat of all goats. Him and Dwayne really The Rock is. Johnson are just two <laughs> masses that should never even. I mean, those guys they live on. They live in their own world, man. They uh, they are completely. They they John Cena and The Rock blowed the idea of WWE out the water. They're Vince's wet dreams. <laughs> yeah, those, those guys, they are their own entities. I'm not going to say they <laughs> like, blow WWE out of the water. That's a little insane to say, but they do. They're, well, they're when, masses. You know, they're attractions. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. When I say what I say, what I mean is, like, they are exactly what that product needs. Like, that, the attraction mm-hmm. that the WWE needs is somebody like... And that's the bittersweet thing about... W- when you were in the 2010s moving into the 2020s and they picked Roman Reigns for that role, it's kind of a tough thing because of course they needed a new John Cena. John Cena was going to Hollywood. Who else is that guy? And And at the time, Cody Rhodes wasn't what he is now. No. That's interesting. I never even really thought about it that way. As Mm. as Cody Rhodes being the new John Cena, I really never thought about that at all. Yeah, he is. He is. Wow, because I, I mean, I feel like now that I think about it, you're right, because Roman turned heel. Yeah. And since Roman's heel, you can't really call him the John mm-hmm. Cena anymore. No, Roman's oh. the best bad guy we've ever seen, for sure. Yeah. He's, John he's never, the final boss. Yeah. Cody is everything <laughs> that is. John Cena was. He's super Cody. He, he's the guy, right? He he comes out and he saves the day, and, and there's... You're not going to mess with my friends. The kids love him. The kids, I love Cody. It's hard not to. How can you not look at that guy and be like, hey, that's a cool dude. You know what I mean? I think it's the same thing we were saying with Cornette, where 
you see somebody who gives their life and soul to the industry, and that's why he's so lovable. And Cody and that's what was Cody always, wears on his shoulder. Cody, and it was the same thing with John Cena. Not many people know John Cena has so much respect for pro wrestling. I just watched a, uh, his thing with uh, Logan Paul today on Impulsive. He, they talked about how John Cena was a, a constant watcher before he came into wrestling, of wrestling. And just how much respect he has for the business, and that's why he feels like he can't do it much longer. Is because he doesn't want to be—he doesn't want to make a mockery of the business. And it's like, dude, you can't do nothing but respect that. And Cody obviously came up in this business. Who look at his dad? Who his dad is, right? If anybody has respect for this business, it's Cody Rhodes. He's the guy, and he's always going to be the guy for WWE. That's why they gave him the cover of WWE 2K24. That's why. He's done everything that he's done. He's had a hundred and something matches in 2023, and that's why he he lost to Roman at WrestleMania 39, and that's why he's gonna beat Roman at WrestleMania 40. Because if you look at the 10 numbers, if you go back to WrestleMania 10, Bret Hart, Owen Hart, that match. You go back to um, you go back to um, WrestleMania 20, Eddie Guerrero. Uh, I'm not gonna say his name, but if you watch uh, WrestleMania 20. Uh, you know who I'm talking about. Him, Triple H, and Shawn Michaels in the Triple Threat match. And then then you go to WrestleMania 30 and you think about Daniel Bryan. Though, all those big moments in those main events. And you think about those 10 years. WWE always has like this really big respect for the 10-year mark of what they're doing. WrestleMania 40, it doesn't get any bigger right now than Cody Rhodes. It doesn't. There's not a guy who is bigger than Cody Rhodes. You can say CM Punk, and I'd agree that CM Punk is obviously on that same caliber. I don't believe that he's bigger. I, I don't. I don't think that CM Punk... I, I, I believe they sit similar. There's not one's bigger than the other. So Cody is the guy for night two, just based off what we know. CM Punk is the guy for night one. You know, that's the cool thing about WrestleMania right now is you get two main events. And why not make two feel-good moments kind of like they did at WrestleMania 20? These are just things that you think about. Yeah, yeah. Wasn't uh, when's the last time a heel won at a WrestleMania night two, like or at the very end of a WrestleMania? Just past year, know? Roman. Oh, well, that was night two. Yes, yeah. you're right. Yeah. Uh, see, I, 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 again, CM Punk's return to WWE is really what brought me back. So okay. I'm, I'm still right. trying yeah. to catch up on yeah. every so single I'll, little. So yeah, thing. I'll just run it by yeah. you. Yeah, Roman, he just won back at uh, this past year. That's why the whole. Cody's story makes so much sense is because Roman beat him last year and Cody was supposed to finish the story. That's why he came to WWE, win the belt that his dad never had. And I think what's so interesting about Cody too is like I was a fan of Cody back in the day when it was dashing Cody Rhodes. Yeah. I was so into that gimmick. I had me that and was friend. a great gimmick. We yeah, we would literally, we would be like, we would have so much fun together. Just like we would be like dashing and we would talk to each other and just be dashing Cody. Like we'd, <laughs> That was like an inside joke between us Yeah, because that is a golden gimmick. And um, yeah, I, I think that Cody, looking back, like seeing him now and just thinking about that character then, he took that with such... Uh, Pride, like he, he did. If you, imagine being Cody Rhodes, the great son of Dusty Rhodes, having this beautiful, this this prideful self-image of yourself, like Looking I at can his be eyebrows and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and then Vince says to and you, the, "Hey, I got a great gimmick for you, son." <laughs> and then you got the whole, uh, then you got the whole un 
uh, what, what is it? It was dashing, and then you have the undashing gimmick when Ray Mysterio broke, broke his, nose, his nose. And yep. somehow he made that work. Honestly, on paper, that is a trash gimmick right there. That is one of the worst gimmicks of all time. You somehow took something great and made it terrible. And Cody Rhodes made that good. And so, like, it goes back to what you said about how Cody Rhodes just said to CM Punk the other day that he was the, he is more CM Punk than CM Punk. Because that is kind of what's so cool about that. CM, he, he took what, what he was when CM Punk said that was a whole different person. Yeah. And I think that when he went to AEW and that whole rebirth of his character, it's kind of crazy just to see how he's taken that back so, over to so, WWE so and he's become the new John Cena, as you say, because he so did that really, all on his own. Yeah, so it's really funny. It actually doesn't even stem from AEW. He didn't do that in AEW. It actually started in TNA. Cody Rhodes. Oh, and, really? Yeah, yeah, Cody Rhodes, the American Nightmare gimmick, I think was actually not TNA. It was New Japan. Um, it, it was, they, they wanted to introduce him as the American Nightmare. And that's what they did. They introduced him as the American Nightmare. He came out with the theme song, uh, um, Adrenaline. And it, it just, it changed everything for him. And he yeah. ended up, that's how he was able to do the All In show. And if you don't know about All In, um, All In was, it was an independent show based on all these independent companies coming together. Cody Rhodes, the Young Bucks, Kenny Omega, they were all the ones who set it up, made it happen. And then AEW started. Tony Khan comes into the mix and they create All Elite Wrestling. Cody Rhodes is an executive vice president. Uh, Cody Rhodes there for about two years, puts on the what I still think may be the best match to this day, him and his brother Dustin in that match at Double or Nothing I think is the greatest AEW match of all time and I think Stardust versus Goldust was better <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah yeah, I, I'm 100% serious alright <laughs> <laughs> I'm being for real he said I'm serious um, but no, uh, no, I, I mean, but yeah, no, and that's kind of uh, that's it's it's crazy the 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 high that AEW started at with a match like that too. Yeah. I mean, that mm-hmm. was an emotional roller coaster. Of, it was uh, kind of unparalleled in modern times. Yeah, I mean, just the emotion, the blood, the the sweat, the tears, the crying, all of those things. It was it was amazing. And then obviously, uh, as uh, Cody Rhodes would go on to feud with um with MJF and stuff like that, and then eventually left the company and would turn up in WWE, and WWE, they bought technically what New Japan Pro Wrestling created, and that was the American Nightmare. Yeah, and there, and then the history happened from there, right? What, what, do, what do they say, folks? And then it's history, and then it's history, folks. That's right. That's, That's right. history. That's right. That is wild, because... Uh, even even just the hair turning blonde it just kind of changes his whole It was the whole best character. thing he ever did for himself. <laughs> yeah. Like, like just I, dying I can't your even hair. believe. Yeah. Because for some reason, I don't even, he doesn't even look like the same guy to me anymore. No. Like he looks mm-hmm. like uh, a man. And when I look at Dash and Cody Rhodes, I'm like, oh, that's a boy. And now I see a man. man. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just dying your hair. It's something that simple. And it was all because he was. He didn't feel at the time that, you know, he could be just like his dad, and he wanted to get away from his dad, and he, he wanted to get out of the shadow of his dad. 
and you know then he would later to go on in his more adult life now where he's he is he is he's a man he's got a wife he's got a kid you know that he's doing he's doing manly things in my eyes um would go on to talk about how he wants to be the delight in the shadow of his father which is a beautiful sentence when you think about it like i don't want to get rid of my dad i don't want to I, I, if I'm going to be the shadow, yeah, I will be. But guess what I'm going to be? I'm going to be the light of it. There's somebody who lost their father, my real father and my stepfather. I'm very aware and I'm, I'm very upfront about how, like, yeah, I get that. I don't want to be just like my dad or I don't want to be just like my stepfather. I want to I want to be the light of that. I want to be the good that came out of that. So all the good traits that those those two gentlemen once had, I want to now instill within me and bring those out. And I think that's what makes Cody Rhodes such a, a, a good character is that he wants to bring all those wonderful traits that his dad has. He doesn't want to. He doesn't want to bring up, although he has talked about it personally, talked about how his dad struggled and and all of those things. He doesn't want to do those things. He just wants to provide, and he wants to be the light. He wants to be the guy that his everybody knew his dad to be, which to me is beautiful. Yeah, yeah. I think it's it's selfless in the same way that his entire character is. I yeah. think it all just it it's it rings so truthful because because it's not you, so much a character that we're getting from Cody Rhodes. It's real. It's truly who he is. Mm -hmm. Exactly. It's not even really a character. That's why I, I not to harp back to that promo a million times, yeah. but I mean CM Punk even said that he uh, it, it's great how he wrote that line. He said, like, don't take Royal Rumble personally yeah. because I know that you take this entire business personally because to you, it can, is personal. Can you separate <laughs> personal and business? Yeah, like, because for most people, you say that to them and that's just, uh, you're saying that to them. But for Cody Rhodes, that's a real statement. Yeah. Can he actually separate it? Because it's his whole life. If, if you really, that was a lot of people I've seen online and I'm, I, it might be a stretch and it probably is one of the biggest stretches. But people were online talking about how, oh, um, it, 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 CM Punk saying personal and business was obviously a reference to AEW. If people, not many people know why, um. Uh, Cody actually left AEW. They don't. They don't know the reason. Um, and he he says it wasn't over talent or anything like that. So it had nothing to do with Punk or anything like that. He says that it's personal, and um, he's not allowed to talk about it. So CM Punk saying, "Is it personal? Can you separate personal from business?" is a huge line, and it's 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 actually bigger in the in the concept of thought because Cody Rhodes has publicly went on to say that. He left AEW for personal reasons. Those were his exact lines. Oh, I didn't think about it like that. Oh. And and the context here is important because you got to remember, this is CM Punk we're talking about. Mm -hmm. CM Punk would be that Oh, he'll drop that context specific. clue all, uh, all over the place. Context clues everywhere. Oh, if that's what that was, that I totally get it because that... Th that's kind of a mystery is, is the whole thing about Cody yeah. Rhodes leaving AEW. What so happened there? So can you there? separate the two? Yeah. And I, my theory is at the very least, it's got to be similar to the CM Punk situation where you, I mean, obviously Cody Rhodes is different where you had somebody who kind of just couldn't really find the right way to play out his character. Mm -hmm. Everybody wants him to turn heel. He never turns heel. And somehow that becomes its own, its own thing. thing. Yeah. Uh -huh. That was a yeah. whole shit show. I remember that. Everybody was like, oh. And, and then he's, he went on air to say he was a heel. And I was like, yo, no, you weren't. 
<laughs> it was like, oh, well, I was the good guy, which made me the heel. I was like, damn, logic. Yeah, that makes sense. So yeah. Cody playing the good guy was technically him being a heel. <laughs> In AEW, it just it made a lot of sense when he said it. I was like, damn. That doesn't Listen, make sense. You just, you just have to accept it, okay? You just have to accept it. Right. <laughs> But, uh, man, I lost my train of thought. What was I saying about Cody Rhodes? Where was I going with that? Um, uh, the Cody Rhodes CM Punk thing. Yes. Where was I going? The, what were we saying? The logic behind it. Oh, yes, yes. Well, just the whole, um, I don't know. You say something. I lost it. I totally <laughs> lost it. <laughs> so, I mean, realistically, it was more or less going into what we kind of touched on of him being the heel and stuff like that. Cody Rhodes and everything that he's been doing has been you know, just something that we haven't seen in a long time and him going on, leaving AEW and all, whether they be personal, whether, the, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to theoretically think about the exact reason. And that's what we were talking about. The exact reason why Cody Rhodes left AEW. It, it's hard to speculate on something like that because it's never been talked about. So it's hard to sit up and be like, oh yeah, oh, he left yes. for this reason yes. or he left for that reason. It, it's very hard. Um, but I will well, say, and it's it, and it's something that has weight to it too. It's it something does that, because if like, it is personal, it, 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 how could yeah. we ever speak on it, right? Well, and and the, you have the whole CM Punk situation, which is arguably the biggest thing to even happen in AEW, and that so, one's personal, and that's very personal, exactly. So if those are kind of interconnected, and there is some type of connection there, where at the very least you have people who both just dealt with the same types of issues, people mm -hmm. backstage who didn't really like this big time persona pulling a lot of weight, yeah. that would make a lot of sense. It would sure make a lot of sense. But who knows? Right. In, in the end, who knows? And it could be something else entirely, because all we can do is theorize. That's why I say it's such a mystery, mm -hmm. and that's why I say. I just look at it from the outside, and what we know about CM Punk, at the very least, was very, very, uh, it was it was unnecessary. Yeah. I can't imagine Cody Rhodes being, as you said, unprofessional in the same way that CM Punk was, right? I can't imagine Cody Rhodes coming back with, no, he's just and, not that guy. And, and my thing about it is, is we're all humans, and we all have flaws, and we all make mistakes, and... Whether it be that uh, Cody made a mistake, whether it be that Punk made a mistake, or the Young Bucks, or, or Tony Khan, no matter who made the mistake, at the end of the day, they made, they made the mistakes and they moved on with their lives. And I think as fans, right, as fans of pro wrestling, we should be able to accept that. I, I, can, I can respect the fact that Cody Rhodes is in WWE. I can respect the fact that AEW is still going out there and trying. Do I have to be a fan of it all? No. But can I respect it? Absolutely, because they're trying to move on from the situation. No matter how they handled it, it was bad situations at the time, obviously. So, at the end of the day, these guys going out and just doing their own things is something that should happen in the first place. You know what I'm saying? My prediction is that in 2030, CM Punk's going to return to AEW and all the scars are going to be healed. <laughs> it's going to be magic. You never I'm, know. I'm, you know what's funny is I'm joking, but at the same time, wrestling is so unpredictable, unpredictable that I'm kind of not joking. Yeah, like, because... just, just recently. So there's two other things we'll talk about, and then we'll wrap this one up. Okay. But there's, there's just recently one thing I never, ever could have predicted happened, and I'm sure you feel the same way. Mm -hmm. Freaking Nick, 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 Nick Nemeth. Yep. Returns to wrestling. I'm just not used to saying that freaking name. I'm just saying Dolph mm -hmm. Ziggler. Yep. We got Nick Nemeth returning to wrestling in TNA of all places. Oh, do it's, you want it, me to get into I, this? 
Yeah, because the thing is, when I read that headline, I was thinking, you know what? For some reason, that makes perfect sense. Like, mm-hmm. if I would have read that five years ago, ten years ago, it went, nah, come on now. But for some reason, in the year 2024, when I read that headline, I think, you know what? That's good for business. Yeah, I'm here to tell you that Nick Nemeth is the reason why pro wrestling is healthy. All Nick, right, explain that one to me, sir. Nick Nemeth is the reason why we can sit up and say, oh, these guys can all go put food on their tables. Nick Nemeth is that guy. Why? He could have easily chose AEW now. Would he have just became possibly another guy in the back? Absolutely. Easily could have. But he chose to go to TNA, where right now TNA doesn't have a top guy. They don't have somebody that they can put on their back. And you can say somebody, maybe you know him or maybe you don't, uh, Josh Alexander, who is doing amazing stuff over in TNA, uh, very close to the top guy, right? But nobody with the name of Nick Nemeth or Dolph Ziggler. Um, so Dolph Ziggler turning up at TNA Hard to Kill was the greatest thing that could have happened per, for pro wrestling right now where we stand because now it makes another show, another wrestling company, must-see, right? Because when he turned up, everybody wanted to know what he was doing. And maybe you don't tune into TNA every week or maybe you do. Um, right now, he is—he started a feud with Steve Macklin. And if anybody, uh, not many TNA watchers in here, and truth be told, I wasn't a TNA watcher until my friend Ango got me hooked on TNA. Um, Steve Macklin is technically—I truly thought it was off the air. I truly thought it was over. No, I'm kind of surprised, but continue. Sorry, Steve <laughs> Macklin is—he was a former WWE guy, and not many people knew who he was. Um, he was in NXT, though. So Steve Macklin actually in TNA became like the second coming of Stone Cold Steve Austin. Just with the attitude, everything like that. So Nick Nemeth is like the perfect counterpart to what Steve Macklin is doing right now. Nick, uh, So Steve Macklin right now is playing the bad guy, and he is. He's a dick. He's a prick, right? Nick Nemeth is the good guy, baby face, you know, top guy, TNA, TNA, that guy. So right now, somehow Dolph Ziggler has become John Cena <laughs> just by going to a different company. And Nick Nemeth actually went on to a interview and talked about how he's seen the writing on the wall in WWE. He knew he was going to be out. He knew he was leaving. He knew that they were going to fire him. And they did. He sat for 90 days, as most will, because of the non-compete clause that they have in their contracts. Would... Sit the 90 days, do a bunch of workouts, stuff like that, get prepared, and then go over and become the guy in TNA. At I, He's in his 40s. It's crazy to think about. Honestly, insane. That guy's been wrestling since 2006, 2005, maybe, in the WWE. And I would argue that he has the street cred of somebody like the caliber of a CM Punk or a yeah, Daniel Bryan, like people who were in the indies for a long time. He does. And then that's they turned why, up and that's why him going there is so important because he has the name. Exactly. And like, it, it's kind of crazy just to think about that. You have somebody who was so underappreciated becoming a megastar in another company, essentially like it, they completely flipped the role and it makes perfect sense. I mean, even if Dolph Ziggler went to AEW, I could imagine him just not being booked completely properly. Because well, that was the whole thing, many... and that's why everybody was so excited about him going to TNA is because, yes, right now in AEW, he may not have been booked the best, in the best regards, at least. 
Yeah, so, yeah. Whereas where you when you put him in somewhere like TNA, like you said, he's, he's the one the guy. Top guy. He's instantly the top guy. Yeah, and there's so much worth to that, and it kind of brings people over to TNA. Mm -hmm. All you really need is just a couple more names that people may recognize, yeah. and even then, like, don't. That's the thing. I've argued Will manage, Ospreay going to TNA. I've argued Okada going to TNA. There's a, none yes, of those guys. Well, what would I was be gonna bad. say is what you just said. That's perfect. Like as long as you don't dip super deep into that WWE bucket, as long as you just stay too, oh. you don't just go too far that direction. Because again. That's the pattern that seems to happen mm -hmm. with these co competing companies. Mercedes, that makes it so Mercedes hard. Monet, I thought should have Sasha Banks. I thought should have been who went to TNA. I thought she was going to. Yeah, I thought and, and she was. They do in TNA. Well, she was your prediction, wasn't it? Because wasn't there a rumors or was it an announce of a return or were there rumors? There was, so they had teased that two worlds were going to collide and everybody just assumed that it was going to be WWE and TNA and they were going to do something together and many thought that Sasha would kind of be that turntable between the two. Um, but yeah, she was. She was my prediction because she, their knockouts division, so the women's division in TNA is easily the best book women's division across all three companies. Okay, and why do you say that? Just the 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 production of matches and the storytelling that they do. Trinity, uh, uh, Naomi in WWE. Uh, Trinity Fatu went on and had some really good matches. She was the knockouts champion. Um, there was Deanna Perrazzo, who is now with uh, AEW. Uh, but Deanna Perrazzo, she did outstanding work in TNA, and I mean outstanding. Some of the storytelling that they did with that knockouts division, I didn't see that these WWE or AEW doing what TNA was doing or impact at the time with their women's division and women obviously deserve the same amount of respect that the men do. You know what I mean? They're out there doing the same exact thing that those guys are doing every single day. So TNA really shined light on that. So I always thought, you know, Sasha Mercedes going to TNA would have been huge because your top guy wouldn't even have been a guy. Yeah. Right. And 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 that makes that, you different. You're right. You're right. Truly, that would be a big deal. I mean, maybe even if they still pull that card, because they yeah. still have that chance. Yeah, yeah Sasha. Had, although I will say, I'm not sure what's going on on AEW television right now. And just so everybody knows who's watching this, it's January 24th, 2024. Um, AEW could be happening as we speak. Right. right. I haven't checked Twitter, so I don't know. But I didn't receive any text messages or anything like that. So my thought process is that she did not show up on AEW television. So my guess is that she's going to return at the Royal Rumble. So to wrap up that Nick Nemeth topic, mm -hmm. what would you do if you were the if your fantasy booking situation, okay. all right? You're the all booker. Right. What do you do with Dolph Ziggler moving forward for the next year? Place the belt on that man and let him go to every news outlet on every podcast and talk about TNA. You're right. Okay. Yeah, look at you. Someone someone give this guy a job right now because <laughs> <laughs> let that man That's build it. your company up. He is a good face to have. Nick Nemeth, formerly known as Dolph Ziggler, talks about TNA Pro Wrestling. It's a headline in itself. You're right. Because just imagine him just going all over the podcast circuit just yeah. with the belt. Everybody's like, a lot of those people would just be like, what is TNA? And yeah. of course, there it is. Yep. The magic question. Yep. And guess what? I mean, you it's have kind of like instantly the people back hooked. 
that was you don't see too much of that anymore which is uh why that's such a great suggestion i mean really uh it's funny just the other day i looked over and on a morning show i saw the the a new day i saw the new day yeah. right there on the tv i saw my homie Co i was like is that kofi kingston is it really is it really <laughs> yeah. yeah and it totally was <laughs> i had to stare for a minute but because uh, it was him and drew barrymore i'm like this can't be real yeah but uh there it was and the thing is when you have uh wrestling in the mainstream outlets, that's when you really tap into a new Absolutely. audience. That's when you get that WWE massive appeal is when you know how to get that mainstream wide appeal. Yeah. And that's, I think, the thing, uh, again, that I think AEW just dips too deep into this thing where it's almost like when you make a movie for film nerds. Like you're you're making the movie for the people who really are into it, mm -hmm. and you lose that massive audience of people who are just kind of the general yeah, audience a, who might. That was the thing with AEW. Is AEW they were never going to break the mold of being a casual, gaining a casual viewer. They, they were don't just, even want to. They don't exactly. They, they they appreciate the hardcore audience because the hardcore audience is put on for them. Now, is there some flaw to that? Absolutely. The hardcore audience are going to be the biggest ones to judge you too when things go wrong. Yeah, yeah, well, and and that's a great point. That's such a great point because if you're being sympathetic to that hardcore audience, like if you are one of those people, right? Mm -hmm. You you are gonna hold AEW to a higher standard yep. because they are the ones that are they're the only ones that are doing that, and mm -hmm. that's what their claim is. We're the only ones out here doing this on right. national television. Mm -hmm. And so, okay, if you're a hardcore wrestling fan, if you're into the indies, you're like, all right. Let's see you do that then. <laughs> and then they don't, and then they get judged. And then you see Ric Flair come out, and you're like, you motherfucker, we had a deal. <laughs> After just like a couple weeks bashing, bashing Vince McMahon about Ric Flair. The Ric Flair move was truly, I think, a curveball. I don't think anybody could have predicted that one. Because, I mean, honestly... Maybe, but even with like his showing up in TNA, like it, again, history repeats itself. I don't think we could have predicted it then. I don't think we could have predicted it in another match. I never. If I'll you would have asked me I'll a year ago, it. I'll stand by it. It's time for Rick to hang it up. I know. You know what? The thing is, I I want to believe that was his last match, but I really think it's hard. in five years. It's hard. Give me five years, yeah, dude. It's tough. Let he's one other hot Hooper star come out, and he's going to be like, yeah, I think I still... Hulk Hogan just said it. No. Hell no, I don't want to see Hulk Hogan on my TV. Can you imagine? Hulk Hogan teased being east said, I think I got one more in me. Please. No. So I haven't watched this match, but I hear that it's like the only one that broke that rule that I know of. And it's when Stone Cold came back to face Kevin Owens out of nowhere at WrestleMania. That was Apparently, when everybody was like, all right, we get yeah, it. Yeah, that's kind of crazy because when I heard that match happened, I was like, oh, it's got to be trash then. Like, there's no way. Well, it's Stone just Cold they did it back. right. They did it right. They didn't make Stone Cold go out there and put on a 30-minute banger with Kevin Owens. No, they just fought in the crowd. It was a good match. It was fun. It was exhilarating. It got the crowd involved. He hit a stunner. He pinned Kevin Owens. And that's what they get wrong with those matches, right? That's they exactly. Just, they, they drag them out, and they don't even understand like, like what Sting, they're... Like, I'm sorry. Sting doesn't... Now, this retirement run with Sting is amazing, and obviously Sting is an amazing pro wrestling. He's, he's a great pro wrestler. But at the end of the day, Sting, 
right? Is he's he's up there in age. It's it's something that you have to understand, and it's something that needs to be said. Yes, he's up there in age, and now he's doing this retirement run thing. But at the end of the day, you know, AEW has kind of had him go out there and wrestle a little bit more than maybe Sting should have. That's a little bit of the issue. Yeah, yeah, and. What do you do? You have to wonder, like, I'm sure a lot of that has to be some of what Sting's wishes are. Yep. And, uh, yes. you know, yes, Sting well, obviously we know wants to go Khan. out and do it. Yes, Sting wants to go do it. That's 100% something. But, yeah, I just think with those older guys, you know, it really takes, like, you have to know how you're going to do the match. And I think Stone Cold and Kevin Owens was a perfect example of how you take a retired superstar and put them in a match. I think that's the perfect way to do it. Yeah, I think Ric Flair would tell you to just do the match how you did 50 years ago. Just do no. it the exact same way. No, no, <laughs> no, don't do that. I think, like, the thing is, I think Jeff Hardy would tell you the same thing. I think Jeff Hardy would say, just go out and just jump off a ladder like you did 30 years ago. There's Mm-mm. no difference. Nope. There's no nope. difference. There's not one. And the, Can yeah, you imagine so- Edge now jumping off that ladder to spear somebody holding that tight? I don't. I can't imagine uh, an Edge of this era. Like, um, I, I think that's something crazy about wrestling that I didn't really appreciate as a younger kid is how extreme those extreme moments mm-hmm. really are. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there that, is one other really person are. doing it right now, and it's Sammy Guevara. Sammy Guevara, I think, is in AEW. He, uh, that he, casket spot wasn't that him and somebody else? In that a was match Dar- where that he... was Darby Allen. So, oh, Dar- right. Darby Allen, he definitely exonerates it, but him, I, I can't believe I didn't mention Darby, but yes, Darby and Sammy Guevara, they like highlight extreme wrestling and like what they they cross boundaries of crazy it, i mean that stuff's cool i was never really big into the extreme stuff some people were some people found it exciting and that's all right you know what i mean like i i can imagine my that. limit's mick foley that's where it stops for me it stops where you <laughs> see like somebody getting thrown off a cage and thrown into like the center of a ring and they're dying and you're 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 emotionally connected that's where it stops yeah uh, yeah no i think everybody should stop at mick foley yeah, like if you're going any farther than Mick Foley with your hardcore, we that's why John Moxley loses me a little bit when yeah. he goes. Uh-huh. He goes he's, a little too he's far. A cra- he's a crazy son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah, and I can appreciate him for being himself. But yeah, it's absolutely, like, <laughs> dude. Dude, John Moxley's you're just going great. On a I podcast love John saying, Moxley. I, would you just go on a podcast and say, "Oh, I love to bleed," like, bro, <laughs> bro, come on, something's going on. <laughs> I'm going Something's on. going on there. Uh, but I do love me some John Moxley, too. Yeah, As a matter absolutely. of fact, like, back in the day, I remember really diving deep into him before he even got his moment. Like, I remember finding him when he was only in the indies and just seeing okay. his hardcore matches and uh-huh. being like, whoa, who is this yeah, guy? Yeah, he wrestled even? in, like, uh, maybe not GCW. I forget the exact name of some of the companies, but he had wrestled Nick Gage and put on the death matches and stuff like that, and those are obviously what kind of drew him into that kind of style of wrestling was the, the Nick Gage death matches where they would hit each other with the light bulbs and stuff like that, which that shit's insane to me, and it's crazy. But at the end of the day, that was just his style of pro wrestling that he enjoyed, and that's what he liked. Yeah, I'm very torn on it because part of me is like, you know, there's the caveman in me that's like, yeah, smash the light bulb over his head. Do it, do yeah, it. You know, uh-huh, I want to see. People, but for me, I can't. <laughs> don't do that. I don't want to see that. 
Well, that's what I say. I'm torn because then the other part of me is like, no, like what in the world are yeah. you doing? Yeah. <laughs> it's funny, crazy. dude. It's funny. And I, as soon as you need barbed wire constantly, but that's the thing. That's why, I, I mean, I, I'm kind of, why I say the Mick Foley thing is that I think even the culture has changed. Like back in the day when you did hardcore I think ECW kind of shifted things in a big way. They did. And then afterwards, nothing was ever the same. And then you got a lot of people who can only think of hardcore as like ECW, ECW. or yep. even more hardcore than that. Yeah, and because think, there is things that get hard, more hardcore than that. Yes. And I, I mean, WWE kind of contributed it to it a little bit. Yeah, I guess yeah. what? I, when I say like Foley, even then, like that's a bit much because I get, I, I, I like kind of uh, tense up when I see somebody get thrown out of bed of nails. When I see something like that happening, that's a lot for me. And that's kind of a regular happening in the WWE. That still it goes is. on. Mm-hmm. You can still lay down a bed of nails and drop inside of it. And to me, that's like, <laughs> that's brutal. So, so in WWE, that's it's kind of stopped. stopped in WWE. That, that part of wrestling in WWE has stopped because they went away from the TV 14. Which, I don't know. I feel like it's happened in the last at least ten years or so. Somebody's uh, I think on the, some I think glass. I think I, I think. Um, I th- actually, I think you're right. I think Chris Jericho and Dean Ambrose actually, John Moxley. Uh, yeah, in, in a steel I think cage you're match. Right. Yeah, I want to say it was a steel cage match in like 2015 or 16. I forget. I hope somebody sees this and comments on it and can be exactly sure. But yeah, no, there. You're right. It it did happen. I want to say once within the last ten years. But it is rare nowadays. It but is. It, the point being, though, that like the standard is truly, I guess, yeah, that really is where it was back then. And nowadays, where you have the hardcore scene, it's just kind of, to me, it's become a bit too intense. The people who want hardcore, it's like that. Um, I I tried to watch that Johnny Johnny. I tried to watch that John Moxley versus Kenny Omega match. Where it's like they're, it's supposedly a five star match to a lot of people. And oh, I'm like, yeah. bro, this is just brutal. Yeah. I uh-huh. mean, you are kind of watching people just torture each other yeah, for those a good two 20 just beat minutes. They beat the shit out of each other. They beat, it, they beat the real. shit out of each other. Yeah. That was, was not a fake match. No. <laughs> they're beating the shit out of each other. <laughs> they beat the shit out of each other. Yeah, uh, you Imagine having to go out there and build yourself up to be like, hey, yeah, I know we're friends back here, but I'm really going to have to go out there and beat the shit out of you after this. <laughs> Because what, what people don't understand is they're thinking, as we say this, they're thinking, oh, I know what they're talking about, but wrestling is fake. No, I'm talking, these people, their version of wrestling is they want to go out and actually Beat. smash things over the other guy's head. Yeah, <laughs> they insane. really want to. It's insane. And they want things smashed over their head. And they want to have glass cut them, and they want to be thrown on the and barbed they, wire, and they, and they don't want it to be fake. They get mad if you tell them they have to fake it. Like they, yeah, yeah they want it to be real. Yeah. So, to me, that's where it gets to be a little bit crazy. And at the same time, it's like, I, I don't know. Somehow, John Moxley makes it kind of cool. Yeah, he is. He's a really cool guy. When you think about it, he's just badass. He's cool. At the end, the end of the day, I can't even deny it. Nope. So the last question I have for you today, okay. uh, I'll just give, give you a big one here. All right. And uh, this is kind of a good one to send the people home with, too, because it'll give them some homework. Right. What are some of your favorite matches of all time? Like, if you were to watch the matches right now, what were some matches that What are some matches that you'd pull up? Like, if you, if you, if you learned out you were going to die tomorrow, what are the last WWE matches you ever want to see? <laughs> That's so, a good way to put it. So, so my number or, one. I shouldn't even say WWE. It could be anything. Okay. Any company anywhere. 
So my number one would be um, CM Punk versus John Cena at Money in the Bank in 2011. That match just ushered an era of pro wrestling that not many people knew they were ready for. So CM Punk versus John Cena for the WWE Championship in 2011. That would be my number one match. Another good match would be something that we talked about a little bit, a little bit earlier. I think it might have been off camera, but Shawn Michaels and The Undertaker, WrestleMania 25. Uh, yes. Kurt Angle, Shawn Michaels, WrestleMania 21. Kurt Angle and Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania 21 might be my number one. Just pro wrestling wise was one of the greatest matches I've ever seen. Um, Also, Kenny Omega and Will Ospreay. Any Kenny Omega, Will Ospreay match, go watch it. You want to watch good pro wrestling? Go watch Kenny Omega and Will Ospreay. And I want to say those would be my big matches that everybody should go watch. And I really stand on Kurt Angle and Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania 21. I think Dave Meltzer would have to disagree with you on that one. No five-star matches for the good old Kurt Angle. Which is insane. Yeah. But it just goes to show that a star rating shouldn't matter. I agree. I agree. That's that, If there's anything I want to send the people home with, it is don't listen to Dave Meltzer, folks. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I'm kidding. Dave, come Dave. on the podcast. I'll, I'll, I'll talk with you. We'll have a great time. <laughs> I, I, I do want to say, did you see uh, the podcast he did recently with, uh, what's his name? He does a whole bunch of wrestling podcasts now. He used to interview celebrities. Yeah, and Dave, now he, Dave Meltzer does the wrestling observer. Chris Van Vliet. I'm oh. thinking of Chris Van Vliet, though. Oh, he did a podcast with, yeah, he did a podcast with... Um, Dude, we're in just, I just said his name. And I, man, I got a memory of a goldfish. I just said his name. I just said his name. I, mean, I got three names going on in my head. Uh, what's, what's his name? I, I'm going off two hours of sleep. Help me out here. Uh, are we talking? Uh, <laughs> so recently he did one with uh, Patrick Clark, who was formerly known no, as. No, no, no. Um, the guy I just mentioned. Uh, Dave uh, Meltzer? Uh, five, Dave Meltzer. He did yep. a podcast with Dave Meltzer, Chris Van Fleet, and the whole thing was. He was he he kind of went in on him about the five star rating. Like if you if yeah, you yeah so there's did been you a see lot this clip. Yeah, I know exactly okay. what you're talking about. Yeah, that whole yeah. the whole rating system. It it just it wrestling is number one. It is uh, uh, subjective. I I don't of have course. to like what you like, right? So for somebody to go out and say you know oh I'm giving this a five star. That's just his opinion. At the end of the day, it's just become a very respected opinion. If that makes sense. Yeah, of course. Of course. That's kind of the mistake of it all. Is that you have people who are for some reason saying... And really nowadays we're kind of not really... We're seeing people turn on it. But back in the 2010s, it was a big deal. Like people really took that seriously. Yeah, because like guys like AJ Styles and Samoa Joe, they were getting five-star ratings. So WWE up until... I forget what year it was, but didn't have like a five-star rated match. Yeah, which is wild to think about. I mean, of course, there's the statistic now that um, there's more five-star matches in the past year of AEW than the Oh, AEW has put on some five-star wrestling matches. There is no denying that. And I think that people, when they think of AEW, they need to think about pro wrestling because that's exactly what it was. I'll tell you what WWE has been five-star at. It's storytelling. Well, okay, but could you possibly, because this is what he was getting in on him on, on the thing was. So do you think it's justifiable then to say that AEW truly has that, had that high 
quality tier of wrestling. Like compare yeah. it to late night. Really? You yeah. really think so? Yeah. Because like I haven't again. I'm getting back into everything, right. and I've kind of gotten a sour taste on AEW. That's since. just because, and I'm here to tell you, it's because of the audience and what the audience has said about AEW. Yeah, no, AEW has some of the best pro wrestling matches I've ever seen. Modern really? day, best pro wrestling. Like I said, Will Ospreay, Kenny Omega, go watch their match at, I want to say, oh, I'd have to look it up. Maybe I'll tell you off, off, off stream. But, yes, there was... A match between Kenny Omega and Will Ospreay in AEW, and it was the best pro wrestling match that I stand by, probably besides the Kurt Angle and, and Shawn Michaels, because in my opinion, that really is my favorite match of all time. Um, but Will Ospreay and Kenny Omega put on probably what is the best pro wrestling match to this day. Okay. Wow. And then I guess... To wrap it up to any other matches you would recommend from AEW that I should check uh, out. Um, trying I to mean, think. obviously, um, the MJF CM I mean, Punk feud that was outstanding. That whole feud yeah. itself. Obviously, maybe go back and watch that. Um, Cody Rhodes and Brody Lee was in AEW, and that feud was outstanding. Uh, the Dark Order and Cody Rhodes. Um, trying to think of some more. Some more stuff here. Uh, Hangman Page put on some really good matches. Uh, his that whole thing with CM Punk that was even good at the time. Um, Chris Jericho. Oh, oh, oh! Eddie Kingston, John Moxley. Yeah, Eddie Kingston. He's caught my attention quite a bit. Yes, Eddie Kingston and John Moxley. That's just good storytelling, um, but also great pro wrestling. Um, okay. Any oh Brian Danielson, Kenny Brian Danielson, Kenny Omega at uh, Grand Slam, and I want to say 2021 or 22. I can't remember the year, but that was insane. Absolutely, that match is definitely a must see. So the 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 AEW has a lot of stuff that you can go back, and those are just the ones that I can think of off the top of my head. All right, man. All right, and with. All of that being said, it was a pleasure having you on today. Can you tell the people all the places they can find you if they're looking for you? Yes. They... You can go find... ahead. Go for it. Go all for right. it. Go right. for Didn't want to cut you off. Didn't want to cut you off. You guys can find oh, me. Oh, no, no. Cut me off <laughs> as much as you need. <laughs> so, look, you can find me on YouTube at BillyTKO. You can also go follow me on all my social media at BillyTKO. On Instagram, it's BillyDTKO. So there is that one little difference, and on Twitter it is Billy D T K O, but everywhere else it is Billy T K O. So just understand that those two platforms has a D in them. All right, and thank you again for coming on, man. Really, man. it was a pleasure talking with you. I do, um, I do want to do this again sometime. Absolutely, I'm going to try to get deeper and deeper into the modern <laughs> wrestling, because the thing is. I now that Raw is going to be heading to or WWE is heading to Netflix, that actually is going to make it easier for me to watch. Yeah, it's going to so make it easier I, for many people, and we'll dive into that maybe on the next one. Yes, yes, and so there's that whole thing, and um, I just like if if we keep in touch, you can help me keep tabs of all this. I'm, I could send you my questions, and you yeah. can be like, "Oh, this is." Th I'll be like, "Why does everybody hate this guy so much?" And you'll be like, "Oh, it's because this thing happened yeah, back man. in 2016." Like I said, we have each other now. We obviously have each other's contact information. So, I mean, obviously, at any time, feel free to reach out, and I'm down to do this whenever, man. I, I believe right. we've brewed a really good friendship out of this. 
I really think so. And I hope that the people at home watching this, um, I hope that they can connect with that beautiful thing that is the world of professional wrestling because that's what brought me to you today. My I man. think that there really is a culture within it that is, there's something that we all know and love within that world that we can all connect with. There's something with the characters, there's something with the matches, there's something with the storytelling yeah. that's so real, that's so in touch with the human spirit, and that's why I love wrestling. And I know that's why you love wrestling. I know that's why we all love wrestling. And I hope that we can just all go watch a... Let's let's all do our homework. Let's go watch a freaking five-star match after this today. All right, and just think about how match. great... Yeah, yeah, all right. But yeah, man, thank you for coming on. Thank you, uh, man, We'll do for this again. Me. And um, I usually do this at the end, so I'm just letting you know. Here it comes. Rose Radio clocking out, folks.